0: Welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as ever is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. I hope. And we invited the wonderful Charlene Leiden from the Lighthouse to join us for this discussion of American Beauty. Hi, Charlene. Hi. All right, so we're continuing our summer of 1999 season, although we're out of the summer of ninety nine at this stage. It's September 8th, 1999.
1: Six election, Tony Soprano tried to give an illegal contribution to that guy in West Wing. Um, so for that alone, we shouldn't be here. Hey, forget about it.
2: Hey, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget, no r's. Forget about it. i right, now change the t's to d's. Hey, forget about it. Id? Would well, you said change the T's to the D's, That's for not Christ the sake. last one? Well, I said I was surprised before. They said backstage you gotta go back out. You gotta go back out, and I thought they'd been a mistake. The Sopranos had won drama.
0: I want you to talk about women.
1: Oh, I enjoy women.
0: A little bit of you
3: makes me your man.
0: Uh, Balamos by Enrique Iglesias. Is at number one in on the charts? Is that when the rhythm takes you over? I believe that's a technical <laughs> term for it, um, but it's part of a
2: larger Latin. Palabras is yeah, it's a technical term. term. Of, I believe it's like
0: a term of art. Yeah. Um, Smooth by Carlos Santana is at number six. Um, keep in mind that Smooth will be number one at the end of the year. Mumbo number five is at sixteen and rising. Living la vida loca had been a Gee. big hit back in May, so we had this sort of caught in the midst <laughs> of this sort of like uh, Latin revolution. Uh, in terms of bangers in fairness they are indeed <laughs> uh, in terms of 1999. um unpretty by tlc is at number two gene in a bottle is at number four lost in you by garth brooks as chris Gaines is at number five we're going to be talking a lot about confused and lost american masculinity in this podcast so i think it's important to explain what garth brooks as chris Gaines really is Um, Chris Gaines was a one-off fictional rock persona created as an alter ego for Garth Brooks to explore rock and roll music styles far removed from his success as a country singer. Initially, Brooks had planned to feature Gaines in The Lamb, a motion picture that never materialized. If only. (laughs) Um, that could have been like we could have been talking about Garth Brooks, Oscar winner, *Star Is Born*, starring <laughs> Garth Brooks as There's Chris Time, like yeah. there,
2: it seemed. It did, that yeah. I was shocked and a bit worried. <laughs> um, about in many ways he's dead already.
1: <laughs> Certainly in this country. <laughs> he's dead to us. After
0: that incident.
2: <laughs> I was so glad that that ended the way it did because um, it, it disgusted me how, 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 how popular all of that stuff uh, still was. I was very much on the kind of dust in the turkeys um, uh, campaign against line dancing, <laughs> uh, for example. I can't stand that nonsense. I don't mind country cool music. I were you then? Um, I, I was, You're a baby.
3: Yeah, the, the, it's the,
2: a baby I, with taste, crucially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I was listening to to with 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 Garth Brooks in the, in the kind of like mid mid to late nineties. This
1: um, was like post um, nineteen ninety four World Cup. I would like to say, right when that, that was the American mm, World Cup. Yeah, they brought back oh, line yeah. dancing from there. So was it? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I
0: love that we talk about this. It's like bringing like corn back from the, the Americas. It's like our explorers went over to the Americas and they brought back line, line dancing. dancing and Garth Brooks.
1: <laughs>
2: Cotton Eye Joe was big yeah. I remember.
0: Yeah. Around the mid 90s. That was Steps, wasn't it? If, if was that Steps? No, that was someone else. No. Oh, okay. Steps did uh, what did Steps do? Um
1: 5432 two,
0: two, Okay, Steps cuz Steps did one, one of those two, like three, yeah, yeah. Steps did a line dancing yeah, song they as did, well. Yeah. It was big in the mid 90s. Um American Beauty won't actually chart in the, at the box office this weekend due to its limited release. It would debut at number 11 the following week. It would slowly climb over the next few weeks, peaking at number 4 on the weekend of 8th October. Um, the top three movies this week at the box office are Stigmata, The Sixth Sense, and Stir of Echoes, tying into that miniature uh, kind of late 90s horror kind of uh, revival that we kind of talked about when we talked about The Sixth Sense. which Not as week.
2: strong a week as The Sixth Sense week, though.
0: Well, let's let's ta- let's take a look and sort of count down. Stir of the echoes,
2: 10. I've never heard of.
0: Stir of echoes oh. is Kevin Bacon. I actually quite like it. It's He's overshadowed dead. by the sixth sense for obvious reasons because mm. the sixth sense is amazing.
2: Stigmata as well.
0: Yeah, Stigmata. I don't imagine has aged well, um, mm. but I remember being quite impressed by it because I was a teenager. I was like Thomas Aquinas. I was a like, Gospel of Saint Thomas.
3: Mind blown It was
0: like It was a very low bar After the Matrix The Matrix has sort of left me on the floor And this Sigmata was just like Come over and kick down A little bit Um, Gnosticism 90s Gnosticism Late 90s Gnosticism Which again We'll probably come back to In the context of Mm -hmm. this movie as well But let's talk down The top 10 very quickly Really? Um, Oh yeah Lots of 90s themes here So the top 10 Blair Witch Project Is a 10 Uh, Chill Factor
3: does anybody Beginning remember Junior?
0: Jr. yes and Skeet Ulrich yes oh my fave <laughs> yeah. I was like yeah because I was wondering if anybody else remembered that yeah what uh, <laughs> remember in the 90s when Skeet Ulrich and Cuba Gooding Jr. were things uh, excuse me. Cuban goods, too. Hold on a minute. Riverdale, um, please. Thank you. Riverdale,
1: please. I knew yeah. you wore my Riverdale t-shirt today, but I wore a fight
0: double. Damn it! Um, but <laughs> okay. Remember when they were things before? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they were in a movie together. That was like a late nineties kind of throwaway disposable. I think it was a cop thriller, wasn't it? Was a cop? An action-y type yeah, yeah, like Rush Hour or what's the Negotiator? Metro. Remember Metro I with remember Eddie Murphy? That. Okay. Uh, Oh, yeah. Metro was like take Eddie Murphy seriously as a hostage negotiator yeah. around the same time <laughs> um, so at number 8 is Mickey Blue Eyes oh yeah, oh, yeah. Hugh Grant I saw and, that plane. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah and, I do and what's his face that. from The Godfather James Caan yeah. as well yeah but, um, but
2: him they, that whole scene with him for, Forget about us <laughs> yes. yeah, that's yeah. a
0: really good Hugh Grant yeah.
2: <laughs> thank you <laughs> um
0: at number seven is the Thomas Crown Affair mm-hmm. at number six is the 13th Warrior do we remember the 13th Warrior Antonio Band- yes yeah.
1: fantastic didn't uh, like no.
0: it no <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good film uh, Bowfinger uh, oh is I at like number Bowfinger
1: five. so much yeah I really like, like Bowfinger the kind of turkeys
0: though like, oh yeah box office wise financially yeah. yeah none of them made yeah. a lot of their money back Runaway Bride um, was, is down two places at four awful uh, idea
1: <laughs> that whole concept is stupid.
0: Um, and then the top three star of Echo, Sixth Sense of Sigmata. Um, in television, it's we're still sort of, you know, the season is kind of waiting to start in a fortnight, so we're kind of just lulling, you know, kind of lulling around, waiting for television to happen. But a highlight of this week and a rating success story was CBS's Sunday night's movie, Logan's War Bound by Honor, starring and with a story by Chuck Norris. It's a story of a young boy who witnessed the death of his parents and grew up with, and I kid you not, a proximity sense that allowed him to detect when crime was about to happen. Like a bat. Like, like a <laughs> spider. <laughs> it's basically knock off Batman. It's like superheroes are going to be big, but we haven't yet figured out how they're going to work. So it's like, wait until you know Sam Raimi and Brian Singer figure it out next year. But until then, can we have Chuck Norris write and star in a Batman movie? Wow. So yeah. he's
2: not playing the child.
0: No, the, he's he's yeah. he's, the, he's the mentor. He's the Alfred figure, basically. In this, he's the uncle who teaches the young man to harness his power for his war on crime. Right. Um, the Emmys took place on Sunday night, um, the twelfth of September. Um, it represents if you try to harness uh,
2: like Chuck Norris's powers, you could <laughs> die. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they're all contained in his beard. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, so the Emmys took place on Sunday night, and these are kind of interesting in the context of 99 because this is a changing of the guard. Well, first of all, because it's notable that Alan Bell, who wrote American Beauty, would go on to be best known for his work in television. He would go on to write Six Feet Under, and he also do True Blood as well with HBO, so he'd enjoy a long partnership with them. But it's worth noting that David J. Kelly, um, so old television is still in strong force. David J. Kelly took home both the outstanding... outstanding. Uh, no yeah. Kelly is the guy who's responsible for the practice I and feel. I feel yeah, oh. yeah. he Boston took home legal? Boston Legal as well um, and also, also Big and Little Lies as well
2: who am I to
0: I don't know, but they're their own group of people. They've done other stuff as well, but Kaufman. they've done it together. Kaufman. Kaufman? Kaufman. 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 yeah. Ah, Okay.
3: Um, <laughs> I'm trying to see this in my brain. Anyway. <laughs> like, we're replaying. We're actually replaying the credits in our head to try and figure out. And life is <laughs> <walking>. <laughs> Freeze, go back in hands. They're in the fountain. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, like, so like 1999, the Emmys find Hollywood at a crossroads where they're still recognizing like old Hollywood guard, like. David J. Kelly, who's like the father of like ABC drama and kind of comedy and that sort of stuff, NBCs. Uh, but you also have kind of the breaking through of various HBO series. So like Sex and the City got nominated for best comedy. The Sopranos got nominated for best drama. Edie Falco won the Emmy for playing Carmela, although James Gandolfini wasn't even nominated that year. Whoa! Yeah, in his first year, which is amazing. Um, so Falco won, but uh, Gandolfini wasn't nominated. David Chase would take home an Emmy for writing college, which is famous as the episode of the first season where Tony murders a man with his bare hands. Of apparently something that Chase had to fight over with HBO. HBO didn't want the show to feature Tony murdering somebody himself, but Chase was like, this is necessary for the story that I'm telling. Uh, on August twentieth, 20th... where Meadow goes, uh, yes, yeah. they're going around, and he happens to spot the guy who's in like witness protection. I think yeah. it is, and
2: but it, yeah, it's kind of that he he doesn't have any choice anyway. Sorry, um... <laughs> join join us on our Sopranos
0: <laughs> <laughs> podcast. And in terms of like stuff that's maybe relevant to the 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 film we're going to be discussing. Um, the pilot episode of SmackDown aired on August twenty sixth. <laughs> on September 9th, Sega publicly distributed their final video game console in North America, the Dreamcast, which that featured
2: WWF SmackDown, by the yeah. way. Are you going to be talking about Smackdown and WWF fr- ever again?
0: I can't imagine a circumstance where I would. It can't possibly be a large cultural force in the late 90s. <laughs> um, and then also on September 9th, the 1999 MTV Video Awards uh, ceremony took place in you the Metropolitan news, Opera. Darren, by the way. <laughs>
2: and in WWF news. <laughs> <laughs> and in the wrestling side of the news.
0: But uh, uh, yes, so we arrive at American Beauty, kind of fresh off, like, two of the strongest movies i think most people would agree in our season american beauty is perhaps the most one of the most controversial ones it was the best picture winner uh, in early 2000 marked by the academy as the best motion picture produced in america in 1999
2: i don't think of it as, as um, I, I, I i i i don't think of it back then as kind of uh, there being any real kind of controversy over it wasn't no it? not no. At, at
0: the time to- well At the time, there was some minor backlash, but broadly speaking, it was critically embraced, critically lauded, critically acclaimed, widely loved by audiences, massively and this is shocking to me, massively financially successful, Mm -hmm. earning over $300 million worldwide. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. Notable as well, it played particularly well outside of America, Mm. uh, which is ironic because when they're distributing it internationally, they were like, can you change the name? Because American movies, uh, movies with American in the title, don't tend to sell as well overseas. You know, like American History X was not a huge box office kind of force internationally. But it was like, no, it played very well. And it played very well in places like South Korea and even Japan places that wouldn't normally be sort of very welcoming of kind of what you would imagine would be a suburban American drama. Uh, But it it did gangbusters. Um, It was massively successful, massively influential, and kind of when it was crowned the best picture of 1999, there was a certain element of, at the time, people feeling like this was a hip young Mm. relevant and kind of biting choice for the academy to have made in that context they didn't go with a safe choice it's not like they chose you know dr doolittle to pick an example you know that sort of thing the 1969 situation Mm. where they picked annie i think as their best picture this like no this is fresh and vibrant and this is of this moment Mm. and what's interesting is that in the years since its reputation has i think it's fair to say shifted slightly um and i'm kind of curious charlene do you remember when you first saw american beauty
1: i saw it in cinema um, um, on
0: release. On release. Wow. Yeah.
1: I am old. <laughs> um, I did. And I loved it. I I loved it. Everything that you just described there, I felt it was that. So like very biting, very
0: um listeners. I'm about to open a can. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: Um yeah, I felt it was I, I I really enjoyed the kind of um murder mystery element of it. Um thought the performances were amazing. I thought that Kevin Spacey's character was... Lester, yeah. Lester, Lester. was such an interesting character. I really, I loved it. Um, and hadn't watched it for a long, long time until yesterday. And then I'll leave that there. Oh, okay. will
0: just so <laughs> yeah, leave yeah. that down there. Because it is. It's a, it's a movie that's... Now it's regarded... And again, you want to be wary about taking too much of what the internet says at face value or assuming or ascribing too much importance to what the internet thinks about certain mm. things. But in terms of like you know, best picture winners in the 90s, American Beauty ranks right behind uh, Forrest Gump in terms of like when the Academy made a mistake in inverted commas um, in terms of like the internet's historical assessment of things. Because it is, it is an interesting film. But Andrew, do you remember when you first saw it?
2: Um... I say I say it would have been kind of at home um on 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 DVD. I'm 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 uh, sorry, not possibly not in DVD. No, it would have been around DVD um, time.
0: Uh I, we got a DVD player in March 1999. Um may our family have still had VHS, I'm okay. not sure. Because um, I remember we would have watched this as well on DVD. This would have been one of those movies that we rented, um, and again from Extravision, like at what
2: point? At what point were there more DVDs in the um, soon to be defunct kind of uh, DVD shops? than uh than vhs's the year the, 2000, the year 2000. when when did the, uh, digital kill the video store well, uh, the, year 2000, the, the year
0: 2000 <laughs> was yeah the year 2000 was the point at which dvd sales eclipsed uh vhs sales okay
2: so, so my dad would have been have a, one.
0: yeah yeah my dad would have bought that about a year beforehand so he would have considered himself a relatively early adapter mm. right uh, or adopter sorry um, he rules <laughs> um, sorry, I should be very careful about making any associations uh, to this film. But yeah, you, you would have seen it on VHS or DVD. Would you watch it with, as a family or?
2: If I'd say so. And and, and similarly to um, Charlene, I thought it was incredible I, I, and, and that it was really well deserved. And, and and that like watching it, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the, the it, it's um, it's no wonder this is considered the best film of, of the, the year. year yeah.
1: yeah. Do we know what the other nominees were?
0: Uh, I'll go to the fact Sorry, machine. Sorry, I know check. I'm just... No, not at uh, I Put me I, on
1: the spot there,
0: but... <laughs> if I were in any way a kind of a competent host, I would already have this stuff uh, ready to go. So we're just going to go to the fact machine and check. Okay, and we're back from the fact machine. All right, actually, this is kind of interesting. So of the five Best Picture nominees for, uh, in March 2000 for the year 1999... Three of them are on the 250, and three of them will be covered by this podcast. Mm. So let's start. So that with makes sense, though. If we're doing a yeah, season of 99, 99 movies, that they be reflected. So let's start with the three that are on the list. So one of them is The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Uh, one of which is American Beauty that we've discussed. Do you want to guess what the other one is of the movies that three we? Mile. Yes. Bingo! <laughs> oh, got it in one. Well done. Uh, cool. Which is not, not the one I would have guessed, but yes, that that's on mm-hmm. there exactly. And then so the two that remain. Um, so, from 1999, one of which you might get and one of which I'm fairly sure you won't. Uh, one of them revived the career of Michael Caine. Tommy Maguire? Abortion? Oh, The oh. Cider House Rules. Yeah. Yes, okay, yeah. cool. Sorry, I like that we're playing word association.
2: Very, I love this. It's a very folksy <laughs> abortion movie. Yes. Though, folksy abortion is, movie! It's like kind of... Like, um,
1: it is. But...
2: Back in 1952, um, when is we, we just... when on this, um, we've performed abortions on this farm for <laughs> generations. Uh-huh. And someday, son, I'll teach you to perform abortions. <laughs> um, I don't know who that is. It's, <laughs> not, it's, Michael what, Cain. It's not Michael Caine. Not Michael Caine. It's more <But> agreement.
0: It, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, weird. And then do we want to guess what the fifth Best Picture nominee was. And actually, I'll give you a hint. I would have seen this in 1999 and you would not have. Well, you wouldn't have seen all of this in 1999. Ah, oh, Jesus, I don't know. Give us more. Um, Jumanji. <laughs> the Insider. The, oh, oh, the Insider. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, it's so The Insider, which is, a, which is an interesting list. I mean, most people, it's I think... right. I,
2: I, I, <laughs> I went to see um, Superstar, I think.
0: Yeah. Good choice. <laughs> we stand by that choice. We stand by our choices. Um, and then, yeah, so I think historically the consensus is shift towards The Insider. But at the time... And again I would have seen this similarly the same sort of context as Andrew. Mm. Um, I've talked before about how it's like as a movie f-
2: to watch in the cinema by the way the insider.
0: I I found it quite appealing.
3: Well,
2: but it, like it's it I, I it's can very dry, it would be yeah. good on, on DVD. Well where, where you it's can just pause kind of, it you him. know slow and I tried yeah, to, sort to of watch it in my it.
1: friend's house with like about 20 other teenagers. We are all sitting oh, that's, around. That's uh, that's not oh, the right that's right not right the audience. Yeah and like I I remember thinking like this is something I need to watch properly and I never did. Oh, so okay. my my overall memory of it is like, oh, that's probably pretty good actually. But I've never revisited it, so maybe yeah.
0: I will. <laughs> I, I really like The Insider. Um, I really, really do. And it's um, we have a mutual friend, Jay Coyle, who has reflected on how he's grown out of Michael Mann, but The Insider is the one <laughs> Michael Mann movie he's never outgrown. So I guess that, that maybe stands to its credit. Okay. Um, but I, I really, really like the inside.
2: How are you not saying a man for all seasons?
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to
2: you,
3: um,
0: But yes, so, um, yes. But I, I remember I saw American Beauty in the same context as Andrew, pretty much, which is family movie night, all gathered round. This is a movie that's a lot of buzz around it. A lot of people talk about it. A lot of people were excited about it. Probably seen it early two thousand, so maybe when it was nominated for Best Picture before it had won. And watching it with my parents and... You know, again, you know, my parents watching movies in 99, weird experience, because it was like, in some cases, we always agreed, like, we really liked, we all really liked The Sixth Sense, watching it together. We all actually really liked The Matrix, which kind of surprised Mm. me, because I thought The Matrix would have been too hip and too sort of, Mm. you know, not to judge my parents preemptively, but, you know, would have been a very young movie. But my my parents were like, this is actually really, really good. your parents are older than you, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) That tends to be how these things work. Um, And, you know, then there was kind of more controversial films like Magnolia, or like sort of, um, you know, sort of like Fight Club, even, which we'll talk about next week. I think about American Beauty is that like I think all three of us came out of it and were like that was pretty amazing. Uh, like and I mean you know artsy, me? artsy but accessible. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and it was like again, this is the thing where I don't know to what extent this is because I was a kid and hadn't watched too much cinema beforehand, but I hadn't seen anything quite like it. I mean, I don't want to pretend like I you know I watched the films of Bergman or or Allen or anything like that. But even after the fact, this was a mainstream. Hollywood drama with a big budget, with a recognizable cast Mm. that was anchored in nothing more than the midlife crisis of a suburban family. It was wryly, darkly funny, but it was immaculately constructed and immaculately well made and anchored in a set of great performances where it was like... It was basically an extrapolation almost of like that late, that early 90s sort of like Miramax company sort of stuff like Sex, Lies and Videotape or like Soderbergh or that sort of like Tarantino, that sort of intimate drama, but done in the style of almost a studio film. Like, again, Mm -hmm. this is from Steven Spielberg produced this. Um, Spielberg apparently read the script and loved the script because Alan Bell, who wrote this, he based it on the case of the Long Island Lolita uh which was a real life case that happened in the mid nineties. Uh it involved a teenage sorry, a, an adult man, a uh, married man, who was having an affair with a t te- with a schoolgirl basically. Okay. Uh she murdered his wife. Um Is this basically- Amy Fisher? Yes, yes it was. Oh it's yeah. a bad
1: T V movie with Drew Barrymore playing Amy Fisher, that's how I've heard of her
0: <laughs> Um I get the sense Jim Belushi, possibly is the father, isn't okay, he? Okay, maybe. Yeah.
1: I can't remember.
0: But uh, yeah, so again, like, um, Ball, uh, maybe it's Alan Bell, maybe it's not, it is Alan Bell. But he was talking about how he, uh, he was inspired by that case and he thought that he could base a kind of a screenplay around mm. that and find something interesting in there. But he thought that nobody would want to read it. And in fact, actually, Bell had been working for, um, he'd been working on Sybil, the sitcom Sybil at the time. And he described it as a soul-destroying experience. <laughs> he described it as like, I felt like such a big whore that I wrote it while I was working on the sitcom. I come home at midnight filled with rage because my job was so soul deadening. I think it's no accident that the movie's main character is a writer who's lost his passion for living. I had lost my passion for writing. So I had to write something that I cared about. And basically uh, Spielberg, like, he just... Sorry, start-
2: is this American it, it, Beauty It's American Beauty, he's it's American about?
0: Beauty yeah. Lester, Be- Lester Burnham oh, is yeah. a writer in advertising
2: yeah yeah it's really
1: it's weird-
0: odd that he's a writer mm-hmm. in yeah. this movie but he's a writer in an advertising firm as well which is kind it's of it's a really
1: strange thing because he references himself as a writer and you're like what? I thought you worked in a, like, yeah you're like, calling what? up like
2: corporate people <laughs> yeah, and being yeah, like, like have you sent over the copy
0: yeah. in, in, in
2: an office yeah you just have like,
0: I imagine he's a writer in terms of like producing copy for something like, you know, Farmers Monthly or sort of Housewives he Weekly. He never talks about, anyway, we yeah. get into it. <laughs> yeah, probably. we'll get into that in a little anyway. bit. But, yeah, um, he's writing Sybil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what it's like working Not- in
1: Office. I'm reading, uh, this is an aside, but I'm reading yeah. uh, Sybil Shepherd's autobiography at the moment. It's called Sybil Disobedience. It's really oh, good. Oh, I like it. It's <laughs> really good. Um, But like the way she talks about Sybil. You could tell it's, like, her perspective on her being an absolute brat all the time. But, like, this is from her point of view and you could still feel how she was a brat. I'd say it's an awful thing to work on. Anyway, that's an aside.
0: <laughs> um, but it's worth knowing that Spielberg um, had just started DreamWorks. They're kind of casting around for, kind of, movies that they could produce and stuff like that. They'd done Saving Private Ryan and, you know, Prince of Egypt and stuff like that. But they were looking to get into, like, the adult prestige market. Mm. The Miramax and, market. That's, that's, an exact, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what they were going for. And it's kind of fascinating that Spielberg, who you think of as American cinema, reading um, American Beauty and thinking it's the best thing ever. He bought the script for nearly half a million dollars, um, which is something for you know, a writer who was working on a sitcom by a day. And he said, you know, the reason I wanted to buy American Beauty was about its suburban appeal. There's nothing better than a black comedy about a man's midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of it's this amazing synthesis of doing something. And again, I think the legacy of American Beauty is arguably in like, say, the Sundance Indies, where you have like these movies that are populated by quirky characters, films like, for example, Little Miss Sunshine, Mm -hmm. Sunshine Cleaning, this sort of like weirdness of doing a film that is technically and cleanly well produced and kind of like. Almost, but not quite magically realist to a certain extent, while also being grounded and kind of rooted in in personal stuff. But at the time, in 99, I had never seen anything like it. And I remember it being breathtaking. Um, And I guess, question for the three of us is, before we watched it for this podcast, do we remember the last time we watched American Beauty?
1: I don't remember the last time I'd watched it, but it's a long time ago. So I saw it in the cinema and I probably saw it a few times in the couple of years that followed. But I've probably not seen it in well over 15 years. Like, definitely, maybe even more.
0: And Andrew, you, had you watched it? It at, at, is. At, at, <laughs> <What laughs> I just trying to get it? a sense of how, how removed we were before we watched it again. Like It's like, when was
2: the first time you saw the movie? What <laughs> date? And then when? Yeah. One, and then no, was, no, but I
0: mean, like, had when it. was the
2: last time you saw
3: it?
0: Yeah, before this time. I'm just kind of wondering. I'm wondering, like, basically, because my own experience is I had not watched this in about nearly. 18 years and i think the movie it was interesting approaching it with that distance and i'm wondering if everybody else here has that distance distance yeah i i
2: I think it's probably sorry it wasn't a very mccarthy-esque like
0: are you now or have you ever been a person who lost (laughs) american beauty in their spare time um yeah no because it's kind of it's interesting so very broadly you kind of alluded to this earlier and I don't know how much you want to go into without talking about the spoiler zone. What was it like watching American Beauty for the first time with that kind of gap for the first time in years?
1: I was, I think I might have said this to you when you mentioned doing this uh, film on the podcast, but um, I was quite nervous about it because of everything that's going on right now and has been going on in the gap since uh, American Beauty came out. And I was like, oh God, this is just not going to play well. Um, and I weirdly really didn't like it when i watched it yesterday but for not the reasons i thought i wouldn't like it it was actually other stuff that i won't get into we'll get into it plenty. (laughs) um but i i took against it in a a way that um i like to think i don't let myself get colored by things i like to think i can still enjoy a kevin spacey performance even though i know that this person has done this thing horrible things um i i i do i try to do that and i usually succeed um and again as well as you said earlier like just because the internet has turned on something I actively try to have my own thoughts on that um so I did go into it trying to feel like that but with a bit of trepidation and for surprising reasons I really didn't enjoy it and thought it was just a bit bad like I I, the, the the prestige that I felt from it the first time just wasn't there for me. Yeah. that's that was my experience anyway, and we'll get into it a lot more, I'm sure.
0: But. Yeah, and Andrew actually just uh, same, same sort of yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I
0: and I and I, this is why I asked the question, Andrew.
2: Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> 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 it wasn't. Um, it wasn't because of Spacey either. No. Yeah. No. That, yeah, that's the weird the, thing. It's like yeah, the, 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 and yeah. I
3: like.
0: I mean, I'm not going to lavish too much praise on Spacey for obvious reasons. I think he's very good here. Well, um,
2: he's a very good actor. Yeah, he's a very good actor. Like, I mean, like the, the we can praise his acting kind of um, entirely
0: as, separate from the person. Well,
2: I'm terrible. Like, like <laughs> I I recommended people like if people don't like Charles Manson's kind of um, oh music, uh, yeah, you um, yes. When no, did, uh, no, no, no. But I'm if, in Hollywood, <laughs> if you don't like if you don't like him, kind of like forming cults and kind of encouraging people to murder people, then maybe you'll like his music. <laughs> Um, another, yeah. Yeah. I think the song I mentioned wasn't like probably even his best song either he just
0: one that's kind of well that was the one where he's like surrender your game, yourself girl. submission is a gift like that was his cult song that you recommended
2: <laughs> no I, I uh, uh, do you not recommend it, uh,
0: the one the uh, Beach Boys covered wasn't that the no, Lose Yourself oh, I, what's um, I can't remember what it's
2: called uh, Cease to Exist Cease to Exist uh, yes. <laughs> yes so yes.
0: includes the line submission is a gift
2: yeah great song <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> Um and yeah, I I had a kind of a similar reaction to it. I think maybe, ironically enough, I kind of think I possibly liked it as a film a bit more than either of you, while still not liking it as much as I did, and having very 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 serious problems I think with it. As
2: like parts of it, kind of as a film, are 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 maybe good or are, are are decent, but it's not. Likeable, yeah,
3: mm. he's they, not likeable, yeah, in the way Lester, that he, yeah, yeah,
1: Lester, nobody in the way that he was this, <laughs> like, um, kind of like you get him and you know he's going through a crisis, but you kind of get him. But like, oh, I was watching that, just going, like, he is such a loser,
0: like, what I think, but uh, he's, not, he's such a loser, he's such a terrible person, and I guess, and, like, I, yeah. I try not, and again, maybe, maybe I am, I want to say, I try not to be judgmental, um, but like as a character. And again, this is the thing where this is a movie that was kind of steeped in 1999 and we're going to talk about it in more depth in those at spoil zone. But I think for me it's perhaps because maybe as a culture or as a person we were a lot more tolerant of what Lester was doing in 1999. I that
1: was kind of funny and you know it's bad but it's kind of funny. Is just isn't funny. Yeah. It's just not it's just like oh well, god. It's, you're it's awesome. Because in 1999
0: it's like imagine if somebody did that, that would be crazy. And in 2019 it's like I think I've seen people who have done this yeah, they're and always. they're not nice people. <laughs> yeah, and yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe it is that. Um, it's like Lester Burnham
2: was a normal guy
1: <laughs> until,
2: <laughs> until he entered yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. the
3: Twilight Zone.
2: Yeah, no, um, uh, um, and now things are changing. And, and then it's, it starts playing Rolling Stones. And, and oh, we're uh, going to talk yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, then it kind of like, uh, finally, he's going to tell his rule what, just what <laughs> yeah. he thinks of it. <laughs> Oh, and his and daughter. I we're going to talk about his yeah, last words to his daughter. Everybody in 1999 just kind of like cheering. And it's like,
0: <laughs> oh, this is fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Imagine. So yeah. Imagine having the freedom to do that, man. tell your wife she's a rule. And joyless. And tell your daughter rules. that if she's not careful, she's going to end up just like her mother, who is a I p- rule.
1: Oh, sorry. And actually, yeah. like, <sighs> Carolyn, that character... And I remember at the time, and I, I blamed it on Annette Bening's performance when I was a teenager and I watched this, I was like, she's crap. And I, it hurts me to even say that now, to be honest. But, um, but re-watching it, I'm just like, that character... It is just ah oh, she's such a cartoon, it's awful, and she never gets anything meaty except she's a I rule and she's kind of trying to find joy or some shite, but like I really hated that character. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, we'll probably talk a bit more about Carolyn in the second half. But there the thing are,
3: about there
2: Carolyn, are no nice ca- there's nobody in this movie that I that I liked or wanted to kind of root for. Carolyn of. is
0: about as close as I got in the like
2: movie. I
1: Benning's performance,
2: actually. Yeah, but the,
0: I the don't thing, think it's
1: her fault anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the
0: thing with Carolyn is that, like, there's a point at which I'm like, actually, I understand Carolyn. I have sympathy for Carolyn. And the movie pretty much goes, well, you were wrong, you moron. Uh, Why would you possibly think that she has any right to tell Lester how to act or how to behave? You're a moron, Darren. Shut up and get on the Lester bandwagon. Um, Yeah, that's
1: true. It doesn't allow you to have any empathy for her. And that's why I hate it. Because there's a version of Carolyn who could have been not a cartoon but they didn't give us her at all they gave us this crap
0: well they they give her that and then they also actively make choices with her and they're they're very interesting choices in terms of how they approach Lester versus how they approach Carolyn and particularly in terms of how the movie and again this is pre-spoiler zone so we'll talk in specifics about it afterwards but how the movie decides that Lester is ultimately a good person Mm -hmm. and versus how the movie decides that Carolyn is ultimately a bad person And those two are interlinked with one another and are very, very revealing, I think.
1: And then the teenagers live in a completely different world as well. Which, yeah. And I, I kind of think that's something that might be interesting, is that Lester lives in one world, Carolyn lives in another world, and Jane and her boyfriend live in another world. They're like three kind of different films, which I think is, is interesting to me. One of the things that I did find interesting. Actually,
2: it's these huge houses... Well, that's suburbia. Yeah, can, and not not see each yeah.
1: other for an entire for like, day isolated. weirdly the the teenager stuff i thought was the most was the best stuff I like it's the most interesting stuff and well pulled off
0: it reminds me a lot of and again i don't want to be like you know this is like riverdale because it's not really like riverdale but it has the kind of heightened reality it to does it, yeah where it's like the, the teenagers don't talk like teenagers they feel almost like kind of This person has never actually encountered a teenager, but has watched (laughs) lots of, like, 50s, like, public service announcements about how to deal with your teenagers. Yeah. And has, like, watched MTV a bit, Mm. and so has put the two of them together and been like, this is how you write a teenager. It's like... That's my favourite type of teenager.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Written by grown-ups. I love it. And the two teenagers, Thora Birch and Wes Bentley, I think are brilliant. I think she is extraordinary, and he is perfect because he's so weird. Yeah, but like he's good looking, and like when you're a teenage girl, you're just like, oh, he's so weird and gorgeous. Ooh, I don't mind that and he's just angst. like filming me all the oh my, time <laughs>
0: like, and committing random man. acts of arson. Yeah,
1: he's <laughs> a really strange man. But like, I do, and I remember being a teenage girl and being like, oh, yeah, okay, like this guy's kind of weird. But like, I'd like to meet a weird boy who wasn't like all the other boy, you know, like that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Um, I do think that stuff works quite well in compared to other stuff in the film.
0: Alright then, so I think we kind of reached the limit of what we're going to talk about before we get into the spoiler zone. So three questions, lightning round. So, Charlene, I think we get a sense of where this is going. Do you think that American Beauty belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? And in the top 100 of that as well. I don't. I I don't.
1: Um, Completely. If I was to have just seen that film for the first time yesterday, I would be like... That's so boring and weird and tonally just like... All off. over the place, yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't in a million yeah. years. No. Good soundtrack.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, well,
0: th- the Thomas Newman score yeah. is amazing. And,
1: and the song placement in various places is excellent. will yeah. give him that.
0: And actually, I, like, I we'll talk a bit about Mendez in the second half. I think Mendez does really... I'm a big fan of it. I like Mendez a lot. I don't think he's one of the great directors mm-hmm. in inverted commas, but I think he does what he does very, very well. Yeah. Notable that this is his first theatrical film.
2: Yeah, because he did theatre.
0: Yeah.
2: I um, he's continued to as well. He
0: has as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's where he knew Spacey from. Um, they've done theatre together. And in fact, actually, one of the things is that Spielberg originally wanted uh, Zemeckis to direct this, mm-hmm. Robert Zemeckis. It would have been a very, very different film. Would have been interesting. But Zemeckis was busy doing another project and Spielberg uh, wanted to comp- compete for the Oscars. So he was
2: Because like, it is a special effects movie. Yes, to a certain extent. Yeah, well, stuff like the rose extent. petals, yeah, and yeah, obviously, and yeah. kind of and, blurring of reality. And, and one another kind of thing I think against it being in the 250 is that the, um, that stuff that stuff I found aged kind of uh, badly, as in the special effects in some of it were, were, were kind of...
0: Well, they look groundbreaking in 99, but they're yeah, less impressive yeah. now sort of thing. And particularly seeing a special effects movie, seeing that sort of like level of special effects in a prestige movie about a family breakdown, yeah. which was, again, something that was I hadn't really seen to that point. It was like, special effects are for Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for, like, young people films. And for, like, yeah. MTV films and stuff. Like, camera whirling and stuff like that. It's not for, like, boring adult stuff about yeah. adultery. Yeah. Um, uh, and
2: Andy Serkis. That, and adulting. Adulting had, and adultery. Had that interview where he was talking about, um, kind of, how he prepared to be that plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For months. He yeah. spent months
0: getting inside its head um, and still had to wait for Gollum for his big break. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And well, I the, get... the
2: problem was that people didn't know it was Andy Serkis. Uh, <laughs> he was, was just so it, convincing. The performance was so good, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he
0: didn't even do motion capture. They hadn't yet got motion capture, right? <laughs> <So> he literally <laughs> just hit him dancing. in a sheet, yeah. <laughs> this is so impressionistic. Your brain can't process it as anything but Andy Serkis. <laughs> Worth noting that Mendes, um Mendes did a couple of things, actually, which helped him win the job and keep the job. First thing that he did was he directed... He turned up on time. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) exactly what he was told. uh, Yeah, (laughs) Filled out all his forms, uh, made sure all his paperwork was good. But no, he filmed... The first three days of American Beauty were apparently a disaster for all involved. The first three days of shooting. He found the dailies unworkable. He found them unmanageable. He found that when he was shooting scenes, he couldn't get the actors to give performances. He wanted to capture on camera as opposed to in physical space. And in fact, what happened was after three days, he was so disappointed with the footage that he got that he actually went to Spielberg um, and said, I'm sorry, this material that I've done is terrible. It's my own fault. I want to go back and I want to do it again. And I know that's going to lead to a budget overrun, but it's like, what I have is unsalvageable. And Spielberg apparently told him, look, if you hadn't have done that, I would have fired you, uh, which is pretty yeah. great. So that helped him. Good keep boss. The yep. Very, very good <laughs> boss. And then there was also, uh, he hired Conrad Hall, um, cinematographer on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mm. um, yeah. to help him shoot. And Mendes has talked about how when he was on set, he'd always be like, uh, you know, Conrad Hall would explain what he was going to do. And he'd be like, use simple English, please. Um, don't use technical I have no idea what you just said just tell me what you're gonna do Mm. and he said that like one of his days one of his first days shooting he remembered being excited like he asked Hall when he could say action and he got really there was a really awkward pause after the scene finished because he didn't know he was supposed to say cut um, which is kind (laughs) of adorable I kind of love that kind of adorable um but also like he brought in and he had all the actors rehearsed and stuff like that as well and he had like a studio space constructed and mapped out and stuff and he brought this sort of like rigorous the actual style it, but he also embraced editing um mm. and it's notable that one of the things the film does is that a lot of it he cuts a lot of material from Ball's script or from bell script where he um in particular the opening scene yes you you,
3: you knew I this actually, you?
1: weirdly because i'm such a nerd. Uh, the film took ages to get to Ireland, so yeah. I got the script and I downloaded it and I read it, and so my version of it had that scene that it opens yeah. in the jail. Yeah. Um, and then when I saw the movie, I was like, "What's this
3: crap?" <laughs>
0: yeah. And I mean, even even that, it's the, what? the so the the decision to open or to have the shot. The film opens with uh, Lester's daughter Janie talking about her father and how embarrassing he is, and oh, somebody yes. should put him out of his out of his misery. That was an editing choice that Mendes made and made in post, where he moved it round, because he felt that that helped set up the film that was going. The film originally just opened with Lester uh, narrating, as I recall.
1: Um, And what's his name? The chap? Um, the...
0: the colonel next
3: door, is
1: it? No, the, the, the son.
3: Wes oh, Bentley's character. Yes, yeah. yeah um, uh, Ricky
1: Fitz? Ricky, yeah. Ricky, yes. Yeah. In prison. Yeah, for the murder of—is this spoilers? Starts. Okay, we haven't we haven't done that yet. Okay, so second question, <laughs> very very quickly.
0: Second question is: Would it be on your own personal two fifty? No, no, no. Okay, we all agree. Okay. And then finally, and this is going to be an interesting one: Would you recommend that listeners, if they have not seen American Beauty, should they watch American Beauty, Charlene?
1: I can't like not really, to be honest. I I. Hmm. I think it's a film that's more interesting as an artifact yeah and as something that you can see why it was really popular at a time um so i would never say don't watch something but like i wouldn't particularly say this is something that's going to enrich your life
0: yeah bump it up to the top make it your priority forget about fight club forget about the matrix forget about american history x the movie from 1999 (laughs) you want to
2: watch is american beauty no no yeah not for me either Although I'm sure, may, maybe there maybe there still are people who will watch this and find it kind of inspiring and uplifting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just
0: did not. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: I really hate not liking things, but I couldn't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> I, I but... I'm. You know, I'm. And again, I don't, I don't hate it. I just, mm, I think it hasn't aged well. And I think it's, it's weird because I remember how vividly it rocked my world when I saw it, which is strange. It has that dissonance between like watching it and having it rock my world and watching it and realize that there's, there's a lot that's not good about this. And there's, I don't, I don't it mean, it I don't wasn't. mean that in a moral ju- judgmental sort of way. I mean, in terms yeah. of like, how it tells its story and what it's doing.
1: And what it expects its audience to
0: feel. Yeah. And it's completely unearned a lot yeah. of the time. Um, and yeah, so i that's the thing though. I do think it's an interesting snapshot of a cultural moment. But like, if you are, and again, it, it's strange that people would do this, but if you are watching 1999 along with the 250 podcast, this is probably one you can sit out. If you've been like, man, I'm so stuffed. I've watched so many great 1999 movies. I can't imagine another one. This is probably one you can. Start, and if yeah. you've listened to the podcast up to this point, you <laughs> yeah. can't answer the listen. But no, no, do do continue. Um. Oh. Actually, here's one. Before we go into the spoiler zone, if people were to watch another movie from 1999, which isn't on the list in its place, what would you recommend, Charlene? <laughs> Fight Club. <laughs> Fight Club is on the list. <laughs> oh, it's not on the list. Yeah. So if you were to pick a 99 movie, so if people are going to substitute, like if they're going to substitute in their diet, American Beauty. I think I know your answer.
1: But do you what? I forget all the all the films that came out in 1999.
0: Is
2: it going to be Green Mile? No. no. No, Green Mile's on the list. Um, Green Mile's on the list. Oh,
1: it's on, yeah. Was well, yeah. Straight Story 1999? Yes. I would say Straight Story.
2: Straight, straight Story, story
0: yep. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. David Lynch's Straight Story.
2: Um,
0: Being John Malkovich, maybe? Yeah, 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 I think so. I, I didn't film. want to say being John Malkovich. <laughs> oh, sorry. In case I want to say it in the future.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <safe> Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, don't worry, by the time we get there, audiences will have, we'll have forgotten that as well. And yeah, any, any number of, of examples from myself as well. But yeah, I'd probably go with, I'd probably go a year earlier and I'd go with something like Dark City um, from yeah. 98. Um, and I recommend watching that instead as well, because that doesn't get nearly enough love. Well,
1: let me just say Pleasantville then as well. I'm going to interject and say, because I probably should have said that, because that's a film no one talks about ever, and I just yeah. think it's brilliant. So Pleasantville. And it
0: deals with similar themes as well. <laughs> yeah. And it's
3: got Better. Some, you know.
0: Like- <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, then join us on the other side of the spoiler zone. his own. So Charlene, what is American Beauty about for you? Oh, And would uh, I get two different answers if I asked you this 20 years ago?
1: Yes, you would have. Um, okay, so do you want
0: to do 1999 Charlene and then sort of jump to 2019 Charlene?
1: Yeah, okay, so 1999 Charlene, who to be fair to her is a teenage <laughs> girl, <laughs> um, it's about a man who's had enough of life and just needs a change in his life and needs to rock his world and Oh, sounds like another
0: nineteen ninety nine movie. Um, <laughs> <But> <laughs> if only we were going to talk about that. I can't imagine when we get round to that. But it,
2: is, it, it is kind of like like uh, Office Space. Yeah, that's like, exactly yeah, what we were yeah, thinking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Um, where yeah, where where he all of a sudden kind of. Um, but there the, the, there's uh, like with with Fight Club and with The Matrix and Office Space and American Beauty and all of these sorts of movies. There's generally like there 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 is something. That is the the
0: catalyst for the the um, midlife crisis, uh, midlife so crisis been... uh, yeah, or epiphany. existential sort of despair. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. kind of like gnostic questioning of the world as it exists outside the self. And yeah, I told it's... you I'd bring that in somehow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's it's interesting. Um, his, I don't know actually the the because um, he seems to realize from the very beginning. Yes, that, that, that his life is worthless. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's always been, and it's like. This is the thing, and I kind of alluded to it, and I guess now's the time to bring it up. We're going to have to bring it up anyway. This is, a like, the catalyst for Lester's midlife crisis seems to be that he really,
3: really, really
0: wants to fuck his daughter's best friend. Yeah. And, and this, that, that, that's, that's, you know, something that's uncomfortable of itself, at the climax of the movie... In you know, and again, that's not a pun, apologies for that. But at the climax of the movie, how the movie decides that Lester Burnham, in balance, on because, ba- I mean, throughout there's an interesting ambiguity about Lester Burnham. I mean, is there or isn't there? But there's a point where, up until the point, you can see the movie being sort of, like, ironic and detached from Lester. Opening with that scene of Janie talking about him as a geeky man-child yeah. who will cream his pants every time she brings a girlfriend around immediately establishes that other people see Lester as pathetic and crap. And, like, even though we're about to spend two hours in his head you know, maybe there's a difference between that. But where the film breaks down, completely breaks down any barrier between its perspective on Lester and Lester's own perspective on himself is at the climax where the film is like, ultimately Lester's a good guy. He didn't- I rule. His daughter's best friend. I mean, she was there, she was naked. He didn't have sex with her because she was a virgin. The guy is a saint and therefore he can die as a hero contemplating a picture of his daughter as his, bla- as his brains are blown out. And it's really, really uncomfortable. I think there's two
1: things. Um, before that, when uh, yeah. Chris Cooper's character comes into him in the rain yes. and he tries to kiss him, the way he treats that character is really, really respectful.
0: Yes, I'm very gentle. It's actually, really yes. gentle. I'm sorry about really the wrong idea, but not forcefully. Yeah, not, like, and actually,
1: him. like that's a. I, I think there's that, and then him choosing not to I f- rule. a rule girl because she's a virgin. Yeah, I think there's those two things that give us humanity in him and yes. uh, one is less weird than the other.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and again, again, like all this is tied up and again, somebody pointed out American culture's fixation on this weird, virginal, blonde kind of mm. stereotype. It's worth noting that like we've been doing 99 and like I've been talking about the charts and you know, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were like these big icons in 99 where you had this, you know, they're both presented as virgins. I mean, genie in a Bottle, we had a big discussion about it last week about whether or not it's an ode to bad sex or it's a story about spiritual purity and how it has to be read in both of these ways. But even like the discussion of, say, Britney Spears' sexual life with Justin Timberlake, Mm. where she was expected to be a virgin, but he was not. And you have that even here with Angela, where Angela is quite literally the virgin and the whore at the same time. But I mean, even... And again, this is a random discussion to have in terms of American culture in 99, I talk a lot online about Star Trek, and somebody made an observation to me about Star Trek Voyager, which was airing at the same time, and how it had not one but two separate uh, virginal, blonde, young female characters. So the character of Kess, who was two years old despite being played by a 30-year-old actor... Um, and the character of Seven of Nine, who was a played by Jerry Ryan, the, the buxom sort of Borg, like, in a skin-tight catsuit, mm. but who had been abducted as a child and was therefore being reintroduced to humanity as this childlike figure, but was also incredibly hyper-sexualized. Mm. Um, kind of, like, this weird thing that runs through kind of culture where watching the movie, there's a weird sense that American Beauty would, like, still be on Lester's side if he slept with his daughter's friend if she wasn't a virgin yeah exactly like it's really like, strange like it's the the moment that changes him is the moment where he's like oh you're a virgin and he's like oh well that can't have sex definitely can't have sex
2: then yeah yeah would it, uh versus just having uh having having a scene of him having sex with this um woman young uh, enough to be his daughter yeah. and like yeah and just play some credence over it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah it's gonna be so it's gonna be really cool yeah
0: they call me the seeker, <laughs> um, and I've been. Anyway, but yeah. But devil's
1: advocate, there, right? Okay. The, the um, because I and I I didn't convince myself of this because I just couldn't. It didn't work for me. Yeah. But I think, like, first of all, I think Lester Burnham is American men. You know, yeah. that's the thing. But there's something in his realization that's like I'm bold. Bull- I rules. Like his realization is that like I've done this to this young woman. I've created this like goddess who you know i i feel i need to give myself something and now i've just found that that's complete but bull- i rule she tells me she's a virgin and now it just all feels like it's like it's his pulling back of the veneer of sexuality and going this is just a young girl like my child so like that's but
0: the issue with that is that he doesn't have a moment where he goes Oh my god! I was horrible for all of this movie up until that point. The movie plays it more like actually he was a nice guy all along.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I guess it's kind of an interesting yeah, shift. Yeah, and I yeah. don't think it does work, yeah. but I do think it's trying to show that, like, and you know, he's quietly realizing something, yeah. but I think he's quietly having a proper moment. Yeah. Maybe it's too quiet, but he is having a moment, and he looks after her then, and you know, yeah,
0: he cooks her dinner and stuff.
1: Yeah. It just it doesn't quite. It's not enough because yeah. like the thing is, and this is the main thing that I just, that was different about 1999 American Beauty and 2019 American Beauty is that Lester Burnham is so crap. Like he is just like this thing, like his garage with like a lava lamp and a like (laughs) weed poster. And I was just like, you're a monster. You're just (laughs) such an asshole. So like, I don't even believe this man is as introspective as that man that I think that you're supposed to believe at the end. Yeah, Yeah, I think he's just a, dickhead <laughs> like and I know that sounds tri- like not trivial but like I know that sounds
0: like judgmental perhaps yeah but something. like
1: he's just such an idiot that I, I I'm not impressed by him in any way in a way that I was when I was younger I was a bit like I get it he's kind of yeah he's had enough to rebel against and, the system yeah man. exactly and now i now he's just very, like very you're rebelling lame. in it you rule way, you're so crap yeah. Like, you I'm going to smoke weed. Oh, God. I'm going to giggle a bit. I'm going to embarrass
0: my wife at a social function because I'm the man. I got,
2: my, I, got, uh, I got my red car that I've wanted. I also got a, a red guitar with a whammy bar. <laughs> <laughs> <was> like,
3: ooh. <laughs> um, but
1: even at the end when he's doing his, uh, like, flashing through his oh, life. his life. And yeah. you're just like, okay, so looking at the sky and getting some leaves and then getting a car that's
0: yeah. your dream that's it <laughs> that's like that's and your it's entire as life as
2: beautiful as I think it was meant to be
1: <laughs> oh, it's called
2: American Beauty I thought
1: beauty. Sh- I, I thought yeah. that like that was something that re- like last night I was like this is one of those examples that if that ending had been really good like that flashing back through his life right. and leading up to the point and then he's dead I would have probably forgiven did. I would have forgiven a lot but it's so crap it just feels like here's three
3: I rule got a Norman Rockwell
1: painting yeah
0: my two co stars, another Norman Rockwell like, painting. Carolyn
1: on the fairground thing, and is literally the only. Of puppy. her smiling. Yeah, you're just like, oh, for. Rule. <laughs> Saying, what
0: about She was Jane? happy once. Like, she was ha- I was on the Ferris wheel when that happened. I was spinning top. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it, you can It imagine.
2: made me go, she'll be fine, okay. She
0: laughed once.
2: I thought it was going to show her flashing uh, a weather helicopter, yeah. <laughs> faking a seizure
0: to get out of a party. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that's, that's the thing about it is that he's just so horrible. And again, this is I, probably I, not going to be... A- we're not saying this
2: because it's uh, Kevin Spacey. No, no, no. Yeah. I, no like, I really like This could yeah. be John Cusack. To it's an example to see, of like a
0: mimetic sort of yeah. internet it's, viral it's joke. It's probably
2: going <laughs> to... If people haven't seen the movie... Like, like, well, sorry. First of all, I guess they might not have our uh, opinion of the movie. But if, if somebody hasn't seen it and has just decided because they've seen it before that they're going to kind of uh, uh, listen to us talk about it. Mm. It would be the real suspicion that we're not talking about about Lester Lester Burnham, Burnham, that we're talking about Kevin Spacey. But no, he's just a really lame character.
0: uh, Because in lots
1: of ways, he's really good. And there's moments in this film where he's really, really good. Um, Like, I
0: I can believe Spacey winning the Oscar for this. And I know I'm not, like, for obvious reasons, I'm not going to praise him too much. But I think he's... He's really good he at playing
1: good this job, role. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's
0: no Chris Cooper, but he's very good. Oh, at- Chris <laughs> Cooper. i I'm <love> Chris <laughs> yeah. Cooper. I mean Chris the cast Cooper's is
1: fantastic. Stacked oh, here. So like Alison Janney. Yeah, no.
2: Oh, um has like a, I did uh, I did like Chris Cooper a lot, but yeah. it, but he like no state like there there aren't actually any any um uh, characters that I liked. No. I mean, I I Who kind of have you? a certain amount of sympathy for the mother but i don't know well her you mean you mean alison janney's character alison janney's yeah, okay, well yeah, yeah she doesn't
0: yeah she doesn't really have a personality yeah. she's just like yeah. trauma she could be she's walking trauma
2: yeah um, but she's just so all all she is is kind of you know shook
0: yeah i i had a again this is probably listeners will not be surprised to hear this given my views and not just things in general i had a pretty soft spot for carolyn like I underst I felt like I understood Carolyn as a yep. character up until the moment where she commits adultery. And she commits adultery so the script can dangle it over her face and mm. cast out any legitimate criticisms she makes of Lester, Because throughout the film, she's portrayed as shrewish. She's portrayed as self-centered. She's portrayed as completely oblivious to the needs of both her husband and her daughter. The wonderful thing where after the um, after the sequence with the cheerleaders, which was choreographed by Paula Abdul, she's like, I watched you. You didn't screw up once. Mm. Which is like the most horrible thing that, well, well, not the most horrible thing, but a pretty horrible thing for a parent to say to a child. But, but
2: it's, it, it, even in, in that scene, where she's the kind of... um a horrible parent she
3: isn't
0: no because she's not perving over Angela it's like uh, actually that
1: scene plays horribly because I kind of remember that scene where he's perving over Angela being kind of like funny and it's not funny, like, it's, and I don't mean that like this is not funny anymore. Like, I don't even mean it like yeah, that. I yes. actually it's just mean like he is just a, awful. It's a, it's a <laughs> awful. serial killer
2: movie. Yeah, yeah, like, it's, in,
0: it's, and the, oh. like it's like in when have you seen Friends, but with like Ross's internal monologue oh, yeah. removed, and it's like this guy is a serial killer. It's, it's exactly like that <laughs> without, but, the, laugh without track. the laugh track. Yeah.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh. yeah. No. It, that that scene particularly was the first. Like, I I was I don't know how long that is into it. Half an hour. Or so. And
2: Ricky fits, by the way
1: is what a serial killer also a serial killer oh he, he kind of seems like a serial killer Ricky, so that's okay but
3: Ricky sorry I, I interrupted you <laughs> yeah,
1: sorry um, it's about 30 minutes in and if even yeah yeah. and I, I was quite, I had been you know fine until that point I was kind of like oh yeah American Beauty I've seen this a million times whatever and it got to that point and I was like oh no 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 this is not how I remember this scene playing out at all and it just and I don't again like not to sound too but like I really don't think it was because of Kevin Spacey no. being what we know he is or whatever um, I just thought it was really, it, it just didn't play funny or cute you this know. time. It was yeah. just like, or even like, you know, you, you do have a certain, like I did have a certain level of sympathy for Lester because you know, he's going through a crisis, you know, it's wrong, you know, it's yeah. bonkers, but you kind of go, ah, things are, you could be confused sometimes and things could be whatever. But and you can also not be a cartoon and, wolf. Exactly. But he's actually horrible <laughs> in that sequence. <laughs> yeah horrible and kind of going back sorry to what you were saying about carolyn they never give her an opportunity to be
0: a person at all like we can i I never
1: found i actually
2: because the movie is gross
0: yeah but i (laughs) i I, I quite like the sequence where she's trying to sell the house even to john yeah i found like the little bit where she she strips off her kind of her dress so she doesn't get anything dirty on it as she's wiping yeah and it's it's goofy and it's silly and it's cartoonish from a different (laughs) movie it's from a different (laughs) movie it's it's from sunshine cleaning but it, it like that's the kind of thing where it's like I you know she's worried about appearances she's obsessed with it but she's she takes pride in it to a certain extent and she does the work and I kind Mm. of like I was like like if there's a character I could latch into onto in this movie it's Carolyn and even Mm. things like
2: she she, takes responsibility seriously she does puts too much kind of pressure on herself she yeah yeah um, it's very important to kind of... What is it? Present. Present
0: If you want to be successful, you must project an image of success. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even things like... And again, throughout the movie... And the movie obscures this in ways that are incredibly... Manific- and again, part of me wanted if it was because when I watched the movie I was 12, I was like less cynical to watching the pieces moved across the chessboard mm. in terms of storytelling. But the movie... The way the movie weights itself against Carolyn's perspective. Because like, logically... And objectively, Carolyn is pretty close to like she's Lester's entirely right. She's too status obsessed. She works too hard. Mm-hmm. She's too obsessed with appearances. She doesn't live in the moment, and she has no sense of like spontaneity. And these are legitimate criticisms to make he's, of a person. About uh,
2: ab- ab- abusing her as if he's coming from some place of uh, authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or like, and, it, and it, it's it's not like he's trying to to help her live a a A better life a a more fulfilling and like it's not from from any point of concern or love or or, or friendship or anything or even if her jenny's good we're we're meant to suppose that these people married each other because they're in love with each other and he's like what happened
1: to you (laughs) yeah not what (laughs) happened to us yeah yeah i think there's like a tiny moment where he looks at her with some sort of like i really wish we could make well, just it's, it's the moment
0: where they're on the couch and she almost spills the beer. Oh, yeah. And it's like, dude, I know that you like you're making a philosophical point about how unimportant things are to you. But you could also just put the beer down yeah. and have sex with your wife. <laughs> um, like and you clearly want it. You yeah. clearly like you've been talking about how sex starved you are. Maybe like meet a, make a concession, meet her halfway. Both of you will be quite happy. Yeah. Uh, but th- that's the thing about can Or
3: Cara- just get a divorce. Just get, either of us. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, this yeah, is. we get into that. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is American
0: cinema. Yeah. Divorce is the scariest thing. We talked about The Sixth Sense being a horror... Well, I talked about uh, The Sixth Sense being a horror movie that is largely about the specter of divorce Mm. um, and how scary that is to kind of, you know, uh, American audiences. And I mean, even then, there's like Rob Rayner did... uh, What was it? The Story of Us, which was his story about a couple divorcing Mm. with Michelle Pfeiffer and Bruce Willis in in 1999 as well. Oh, it wasn't starring Rob. (laughs) (laughs) That comment will make more sense next week. Um, But also, um, like, the thing with Carolyn is and again, this is where the movie shows its kind of sleight of hand and how heavily it weighs the scale, Carolyn's criticisms of Lester are very squarely on point in most cases. In particular, the moment where, the scene where he quits his job and it's played as this big romantic fantasy, like, you, audience member, haven't you always thought about telling your boss to go screw himself Mm -hmm. and embroiling him or ensnaring him in a possible sexual harassment lawsuit in order to leverage or blackmail payment so you don't have to work? Um, And it's like, you know... That's like the movie's very much like, yeah, look at him go, I rule, Lester says at one point. And the movie's not entirely like being ironic there. No. But like Carol No, not at all. No. Carolyn at dinner is like, you put me in a position where and keep in mind he does he did get severance pay, but he spent it on a fecking thunderbird. Yes. Um but it's like, Carolyn's like, you put me in a position of being the sole earner in this family household without consulting me, without talking to me, without discussing it. You just came home and announced that you had done this.
1: Like,
2: like you're a hero, even, by the way. Yeah, it's not even Daddy did it, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's, uh, like it's, it's it's that it's with with no kind of consideration, and yeah. and that she's
0: being just kind of. Uh, and the film, the film treats her as being shrewish about it. the film is like yeah. poor let because it's like he stands up and he throws the kind of you know the, aspar- the asparagus he throws the plate he throws yeah. anyway to smash and get attention. And it's like all I want is not to be ignored anymore. You know, sit down, listen to me, and mm. it's it's like. Ugh. You realise yeah. it's he's, a conversation, it's not a, you on a, a box.
2: terrible husband and a terrible father, and, yeah. th- and at the same time, he's like,
0: what happened? Yeah. To
2: everybody
1: yeah. else. Yeah. So he's like, all of his damaging behaviour, which we can assume he's always been doing this. But at not least he's to been neglectful, extent.
0: yeah, at the very yeah. least he's been, like, unengaged. Exactly,
1: and then he's like, what happened to us? But, like, obviously, <laughs> you we happened. don't have context for that, but, yeah. like... The film squarely blames the wife. Yes. Definitely. Now Jane is a different character and I actually think that Jane's a really interesting character because she's grown up in this house which you have to remember when you're judgmental about her which I am quite often <laughs> uh, but she's grown up in this house and she's trying to become herself but she doesn't know what like she's sitting there and all she wants is a breast augmentation and she's got big breasts and yeah, she's like I was... searching for this like thing that she should want because she should want to be perfect but that's not really who Jane is. So it's like this character who's at at odds with herself because she thinks she should be a certain way, but actually she's probably a bit more like her father in that she's she's a bit of a rebel or whatever. I think she's a really interesting character, and I'd almost have liked an ending for her because yeah, as
0: opposed to just disappearing. Because it's yeah. worth noting that like Lester's like the the movie hinges on the idea of Lester being almost. Redeem, and I'm not sure the movie thinks he needs redemption. It's more like, mm. well, audience, you judged him rather harshly. Really, he's a pretty righteous dude. Yeah. Um, I don't but know. Like, I think the would. would, the, the, would he... the
2: idea not be for the the audience really wants to him him to have sex with that teenage. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not. A, I don't yeah. think
1: that's crazy talk. I think okay. I think in some ways, and if you look at how the film is marketed, yeah. it's a fantasy, and like I think we are watching because we. Like I don't dream think we want of him to, but like
0: we dream of breaking those rules or taboos and sort of like yeah. being ourselves and indulging ourselves. And the to thing a is extent. that they
1: go to great lengths to make sure that the that her friend, the girl Angela, I mean, Angela, um, is really self sufficient, confident, like grown up woman who's able. So to So it talk doesn't the seem talk. particularly
0: predatory. Yeah, exactly. And it up until doesn't yeah. like
1: it. Like if if like obviously it is, but like it feels like this is a person I connect with, and she's grown up enough right. to handle that. Yeah. But we find out she's not.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it. That's the that's another like narrative sleight of hand where it feels very conspicuous that the yeah. hand of the ro- And again, it happens with Carolyn as well, where even after Carolyn makes that criticism of Lester, mm. she's also she's having an affair. And like, it doesn't matter that Lester has been dreaming about having an yeah. affair and is just waiting for the opportunity to have an affair. The fact that Carolyn has an affair first means that the movie and like entirely like Lester says, "You don't get to tell me what to do, ever." again and again that's a moment where the movie you know you're like a smarter movie would be ironic about this because dude you've been thinking about boning your daughter's best friend but the way it plays it's like triumphant it's like particularly with the with the manager who's like busted yeah um which by the way
2: yeah no it's like an ad or something it's weird yeah it's like like rule busted
1: (laughs) yeah
0: yeah you're right try our new double whopper meal yeah (laughs) it's
1: bad i think this is something that i when you want to anyway never mind (laughs) (laughs) um this is something that i hadn't really thought about ever before but like tonally this film is a mess like it in my head it plays like uh, Desperate Housewives yes and
0: sort of a stereo lane almost yeah, the and, yeah. I, and I love Desperate Housewives yeah. and
1: I'm fine for it to be Desperate Housewives but it isn't it is, it is actually just like certain aspects of it like as I said and I, I'm sure some of this might be deliberate but like the teenage stuff plays one way mm-hmm. Lester's kind of Uh, Nervous breakdown Whatever the hell it is He's having That plays another way And then Carolyn plays another way But like I don't think these things fit And when they come together They're awkward And they often come together Around the dinner table And like Ordinary people Like Kind of situation Of like families having awkward conversations around on t- dinner tables. But you don't, but, like, I
2: don't want them to, to make, make, make up or, or or anything. Healthiest thing to do would be to get a divorce. Yeah. They don't seem like kind of people that I, that, that are kind of misunderstanding each other. No, nope. it seems not, they really hate each
1: other. are just nice people. Like, they should if, just get a divorce and Janie should go off with Ricky. she should be fine. Like, Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, he knows people in the city. Drug yep. dealers? Yep. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. She'll be
1: fine. She'll be
3: fine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Birch can handle herself. Um, like,
0: well that's a separate conversation.
2: The the uh, the gay neighbors and I, I say. Gyms. Yeah, yeah. The gyms. Mm, um, not I don't, I don't think I'd have fun with them either. What? I,
0: I think the gyms look lovely. I
1: like the gyms. The gyms?
2: Yeah. They, well, keep
0: in mind, my, I align with Carolyn. I feel like the problem in the Burnham household is Lester. I feel like after lester has gone, everybody's a lot happier.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, get rid of him. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sorry. That's probably not what the movie wanted us, but anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, no. They they just seem really sort of um, uh, what, dull and it's that kind sub- of American suburban and, thing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: That's I mean, I wouldn't want to live there and have any of those people be in my life. So, <laughs> but, but I, didn't oh, yeah. seem quite. Strange. I mean, as far as
0: things go, like they're not a murderer and they're not like <laughs> trying to like, sleep with their best friend. I love
3: and your, your roses, and, sure. <laughs> and
2: it's like, oh, or uh, 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 we we got you, and uh, no, I know. Uh, anyway, sorry, because I was really struggling to, to find to, somebody to think of 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 people and I found it difficult with them to kind of uh, okay. eat, eat, even even with them I, yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't think of somebody somebody that I liked yeah Janie might be closest
1: yeah she's definitely the person that I found the most interesting and watchable but like I, like she's a bit of a dick as well Like, yeah. but she's quite she's interesting and she's nuanced and you know she's growing that's the thing she's a teenager she's yeah. supposed to be a bit of a dickhead so
0: yeah, I feel that's like she's it. the one
1: I have some hope for she's yeah. questioning the things that her parents are doing she's also I suppose you yeah. know She's questioning that
0: But at the same And again this is the thing Where she's a teenager And she's raised in an environment So she gets a pass But things like The gigantic red flags That should be hovering around Like Rick's head Where Were it's her like name
2: on fire? Yeah Yeah, yeah. that was That was <laughs> yeah. one like, that was I, Oh my god you No
0: know, I wouldn't that. have liked
3: If the
1: boy did that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I we no.
0: laugh I, uh, I, think I think we think that that might have laughed just,
1: yeah. Yeah. you
2: might have screamed laugh Yeah, that's yeah.
3: And, and Angela's like, this
1: guy's a psycho, you. and she's like, yeah, so what? And so am I. Like, okay. And, and like again, the movie's
0: sympathies are so aligning not with pieces. Angela. Yeah,
1: Like, no, yeah, like no, you would she's, imagine, she's Angela's shrill as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: exactly. And she's a liar. You can't trust yeah. her. Um, she said she wasn't a virgin. <laughs> Curses! Foiled again, says Lester. But I mean, yeah, even things like the constant videotaping of her and like he does stop when she asks. Yes, which is you know nice because he starts again. <laughs> yeah, like, like, without
2: her uh, kind of uh, realizing that he's doing it either. He that's says, true. Okay. It probably just coincided that he was running out of battery. Yeah, just to sort of
0: close <laughs> it anyway. Or even the little bit where yeah, and you know that after the after this whole thing's like wrapped up, you know, and not just because of the script, but you're going to end up with a situation where his recording of her saying "somebody should yeah. murder my dad" is probably going to land them both in a lot of trouble.
1: Which I think the film was getting at, but then doesn't yeah. follow through on no, at all. Which is
0: kind of because weird. they're not Lester; they don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, exactly.
1: No um. Can we talk about that scene where it looks like Ricky is giving Lester a blowjob and his dad is looking through the window? Because that's the worst thing I've ever seen. It is so. I
2: rule. Very brief blowjob as well. yeah. <laughs> It's um,
0: like his Colonel dad knows
1: a thing or two about blowjobs. Colonel, yeah.
0: Colonel, didn't you raise your son better than that? In the army. It's
1: like he licked an
2: envelope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, um, Such a strange, yeah.
0: strange scene,
1: and it plays like. Some crap comedy moment, I, but it's I, I am I, I quite like again this thing. Why is, the thing is where
2: arms going back like that? <laughs> oh,
1: <this> oh, okay. <laughs> I hate it
0: so much. I have a kind of a soft spot for that sequence, not because of any realistic sort of sense of it but in terms of I like the use of the windows, the recurring use of windows and like peering like, into perspectives. But even mm. the thing where you have in that sequence, he's viewing through two different windows and he's missing the space yeah, in the middle in the between middle. them. And it's like a visual metaphor. And I know that it's, you know, really condescending, trite. And it's like, again, I think, what was it? We were talking about American History Act. It was like, movie, I see what you're doing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? But I, I kind of, I like that aspect of it where it's, you know.
1: Me too. I wish they'd just done it better. Yeah, I mean, there's, no, there's no. a million ways to make it look like yeah. someone's given a blowjob without it looking so stupid. I hated it. But then, one of the things. Then again, like you'd have to be they, confronted
0: with the possibility of Kevin Spacey and a young man. They could have just... Yes. they yes. they uh, one, one way really. to
2: make it look like, uh, <laughs> like 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 it's a blowjob is, yeah, have it uh, be uh, him giving him a blowjob. <laughs> 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 um, and Andrew's in, solution right there. And in the movie, it would make sense because it was like, oh, sorry, I, 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 I don't have any money to pay for drugs. yeah um, per- 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 they're, Perfect. There we've solved this. Andrew's, Andrew's in, version yeah. of
0: American Beauty will be a very different film. Very we, different film. We've improved the film, yeah. Um, I actually have Bastard written down here by the way in my notes about Lester and it's the moment when he's in bed and he's kind of jerking off and his wife gets really upset about it but it's more the thing where he's where like she suggests a divorce and his response to her and it's so like the movie again there's a sense watching it the movie is like that Lester Berman he's one righteous dude uh, where he's like on what grounds I'm not a drunk I don't sleep with other women I don't mistreat you I never hit you, I don't even try to cut touch you, since you made it abundantly clear how unnecessary you consider me to be. But, I did support you when you got your license and some people might think that entitles me to half of what's yours. And it's like, this is not a man standing no. up. Like, the movie wants you to be like, look at how he's re himself.
2: smiling. Yeah,
0: when he goes back asleep and you get the close up of his face, he's smiling. And the movie's meant to be like, look at him re himself. Look at him yeah. asserting his masculinity. He's taking control. This woman has been like controlling his life. She's been reducing him to nothing. And it's like, he's finally taken back a part of himself. And it's like, no, he's being incredibly abusive, manipulative, and. Yeah. Yeah
1: gross but this is the thing I think when I was younger and I watched this film it just told me I wasn't supposed to like Carolyn and it doesn't give you any opportunity to change your mind really and so you're you just gonna go with what he's doing you're kind of like yeah she's awful but she kind of is like but that kind of speech that you're supposed to be a little bit like yeah you show her Lester yeah
3: horrible
2: It also makes uh, masturbation seem really unglamorous. (laughs)
3: Because it is really glamorous in real life. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, Andrew's like, Sam Mendes... Did some really great work with the rose petals. Very creative, like, imaginary sequences. Couldn't he at least have been a bit more creative with the sequence where Lester's hand is under the sheet? All the
2: wanking looks so sad.
0: (laughs) It is sad. It's sad wanking. (laughs) Like, I mean, the film acknowledges that it's sad wanking. It's like, this is the highlight of my day. Um, And even the scene under the sheet. Kind of like, again, this is the thing where it's as a comedy beat it kind of works because it's so sad. Yeah. The sequence where they're in bed together and he's masturbating and she realizes he's masturbating because oh. it looks so pathetic. Yeah, like it made it acts- me
1: angry too, though, because it's such a disrespectful thing. Yes. It was. It's uh, yeah. a disgusting thing. Like, it's at least a go to a bathroom,
0: Esther. Well, exactly. Yeah. Just
1: go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's just such a. He, it's like his way of picking a fight in a really weird sexual way. It's like if I start wanking under the sheets,
3: she has going to, to have either to ignore it or, or somebody Problem else. It's such early an awful way to treat so a early from
2: work. Actually, like,
0: he does Does he have a job? He does He doesn't. He, no, he can just like, wanks in the garage. He, no, he also wanks at work as well. Like, yeah, he wanks. at work. By the way, again, this is a weird thing where the movie is very, very, very weirdly fixated on the idea of Lester, like always. Being sexually dominant, even when he's pathetic, because there's a sequence it's kind where of like he shouldn't
2: have to masturbate. <laughs> yeah, he exactly. shouldn't. Well, ha- he exactly Yeah,
0: and it's not that that
1: sex positive when it comes to no, masturbation no, at all. Like no, it's not no. a film that makes you kind of go yeah, self loving Some you know, people do, and like that's you, it's you
0: know very way of dealing that with that stress. Was my or problem whatever.
1: with it. know. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> really annoying. It's just like you know, look at him. He has to do this. He's how sad is that? Yeah, it's awful. Carolyn, can you solve this? Yeah, yeah,
0: Carolyn or Angela. Do something, something, please. Someone help him. <laughs> poor man. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, even things like it's notable that like it's him receiving a blowjob from Ricky at the end, or at least that's what you know Colonel Fitz sees. Really and fast one, though. Yeah. Uh, really fast. Well, okay. You know, it's been a while, Andrew. Uh, but also, even like when he's talking to Brad and he's blackmailing Brad and he's like, "Can you really prove?" And here's the thing: it's like, "Can you really prove that you didn't offer to save my job if I let you give me a blowjob?" And that's a really weird way to phrase that threat i had such a i actually had to raise this with my husband when we were watching it it's like
1: surely if someone was like blackmailing someone they'd get the blowjob not be yeah. Give, I, I don't really get it. Yeah. I'm not a man, but anyway, it's I just like
2: men will uh, give you an in, an in insight. Uh, men like blowjobs. Like like thank you for that. Andrew. They like receiving blowjobs. Yeah, we don't have
0: But this accusing him Brad of like blackmailing Lester to let Lester to let him let Brad give Lester yeah. a blowjob. Was strange, yeah. Yeah,
1: strange. But I, I referenced uh, this is totally random, but I referenced the bit in Mysterious Skin where the owl lad uh is paying Joseph Gordon Levitt to like be a prostitute and he gives Joseph Gordon Levitt the blowjob. And I was like, Why why would you would you not get the blow? I don't understand. I uh,
0: is it again, is this because the film is afraid of like emasculating Lester? Like where even when he's in this pathetic situation, there's only so much so much the film can allow him to be emasculated. Perhaps. Uh, which is, again, something very odd. creepy and very strange about the film. There's a yeah, lot very creepy strange like, about the
2: film. I'll tell everyone I sucked your dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, no, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, give, with, give me blackmail it, so me. It's like, you're going to tell no. everyone
0: that... <laughs> no, no, it's it's, it's, it's give me the money or wrong. I'll tell, yeah, or I'll tell everybody that, yeah, you sucked my dick. Yeah. Um, I just,
1: it's baffling. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think the thing that Sort of galls me. And also even the
0: emasculated imagery of your mother seems to prefer that I go through life like a prisoner while she keeps my dick in a mason jar under the sink. There's your, again, late 90s anxiety about masculinity Mm. and sort of anxiety and like where men's place in the world was.
1: And that's what like what I do find interesting about this film is that it did resonate with people. So like it resonated with me. This is, you know, and I, I find it really interesting because what we have in this film is a massively forced perspective you are told what to think at every juncture and it's not complicated and the characters around him who we could possibly have empathy for while still being
3: on yeah, his side his tr- yeah.
1: they don't give us anything you're no. forced to be on his side and it it's, it's and awful and it would,
2: would wish, uh, wish would, what's his name uh Ricky Fitz hmm. is it? um it's um it's realizing his his kind of um uh, a, a, a original beautiful perspective on oh, things yeah. where, he, where he he watches a homeless person die
0: <laughs> which is yeah, yeah. And it was beautiful i mean again this is late 90s where there it's weren't like, problems so even homeless people dying is just like an excuse for you, you as a middle-class american yeah, to be to like learn. well that's really beautiful <laughs>
2: you didn't do anything about that no <laughs> yeah.
0: didn't call any uh, ambulance or anything like that no it's i just easy. i want again this is your serial killer in waiting with the video camera um Again, yeah, no. like you wonder what happens when the cops go through that apartment and what they find on those particular tapes. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, he's oh, going to jail. <laughs> is it worth noting and something I find interesting in terms of Lester and, and kind of masculinity, is the film's first of all, it's fixation on in infantilizing him. Mm. Particularly in this mm. idea of him retreating back to a nostalgic youth. Yes. It's a it's very much like a boomer mm. nostalgia film, which is interesting because next week You know, when we talk about Fight Club, we're going to be talking about a movie about like the generation that followed and their anxieties and their anxieties existing in contrast to baby boomers. Whereas here, it's like Lester, Lester, when he was 20, seems to have been happy. Like, and he talks about how, you know, first of all, the soundtrack is kind of populated with hits like, say, The Seeker by The Who. It's got a lot of Bob Dylan on there, for example. He talks about, like, Pink Floyd with Ricky, for example. You know, when he when he's buying weed, it's like a lot has changed since 1973. Uh, but even things like when he goes back to work in fast food, because it's like, I remember flipping burgers and that's how happy I was yeah. when that happened. And he's taking this job. And I, lo- I absolutely love that bit where he, he again even when he's taking the job, he's so condescending. He's like, I'm sure the food industry has changed a great deal in 20 years, but you must have a training program, right? (laughs) Um, And it's just really uncomfortable and really awkward. The fact that he buys the car that he wanted as a kid, but also he buys a little play, a model car.
3: Yeah. Like the
0: one that he wheels around the house. And even that moment where he puts his fist up in the air and says, I rule. 1970 Pontiac Firebird, the car I've always wanted and now I have it. I rule as well. And like even things like when he's talking about Like, sleeping with Angela, if you were being very generous... And I'm not feeling very generous, but if you're being (laughs) very generous, you could argue that it's not an old man seducing a child, though it absolutely is, but it's him trying to pretend to be a child seducing another child. The
2: weird thing is how... How supposedly kind of enlightened um, uh, Lester is compared yes. to Carolyn Fitz, and and um, and even Fitz and, for example. Yeah, but yes. but they, they have they have like kind of Carolyn listening to um, oh yeah uh, me centric uh, living. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like if you want to learn about me centric living, <laughs> just look at of, Lester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> the most selfish person. He's always like, "Listen to me, honey," and it's like, "Don't interrupt me." And... Sit down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um sorry. I, um, sorry. Yeah. We, was I saying something? No. Oh, no, 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 sorry. <laughs>
1: Actually, I was just going I was going to say like that makes a lot of sense to me with the the trajectory that you kind of made there that the infantilization of himself which possibly is just to make himself feel better about wanting to I rule. Yeah. That. yeah. Um, but that is a really interesting point and I hadn't really thought about it like that, but I
0: yeah, well, I think maybe like part of me wonders if that's one of the reasons why I like this a lot less than I liked it in 1999. Mm. And again, I don't want to pretend like the infantilization of like grownups is a new thing or, you know, because, you know, it isn't really a new thing. We've been doing it for ages. Mm -hmm. But again, like it's reached the point in pop culture where everything is kind of geared around adults behaving like children or feeling entitled behavior and I don't like this sounds makes me sound really judgmental I do it all the time I have posters on the wall for films that I like for example I'm recording in a little sort of space with a duvet I'm I'm recording a (laughs) podcast I'm not judged I'm well aware of like sometimes you know not always acting like an adult and that C.S. Lewis thing about like you know being an adult means putting away childish things like the fear of being childish but at the same time like I think that maybe for me personally, one of the things why the film aged so poorly for me is that when Lester infantilized himself in 1999, it was like a weird fantasy. It was like Mm -hmm. a weird nostalgic kind of like, well... I can, you know, I I can imagine when I'm older wanting to be young again and wanting that, and it'd be kind of cool because you know nobody's really done it. Because my parents, they're they're very responsible people. They've grown yeah. up. They've got a mortgage. They've got a house. They've raised kids. They've been like grown ups. And you know, if somebody their age wants to go back and be a kid, well, that would take a lot of guts, man. That would take a lot of courage. Whereas now, I look at things like say popular culture and how you have entire generations of people who are like very fixated on things being exactly as it was when they were a child, men in their thirties and forties arguing over Star Wars films and things like that. And again, like I love Star Wars films and I think that like fandom for Star Wars films is great and whatever makes you happy is good. But From your childhood. But yeah, okay. Andrew's Andrew is being a bit blunter than I am, but I would agree Mm. with that. Like I mean I wouldn't be quite as like blunt in my assessment, but I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think that's very fair.
1: But isn't it more as well that like it's it's not about like I enjoy lots of things for nostalgic reasons, yeah. lots of them. Um, but it, I guess it's like there's victims in Lester's world. Yes, that's it exactly. Like, yeah. This is it. Like he's it's not like um I'll retreat into my room and listen to my whole albums uh, because I loved whole when I was a teenager and it makes me feel like you know yeah. and all oh, that that's fine. But yeah. like I'm not like this like I'll give up all responsibility. Like, you know, yeah. like creating um monsters in yeah. like he he created a monster in his wife. Yeah, And his daughter, who he's like, You're gonna be I a rule. Like your mother, you know, like last words he says to her, by the this. way. Yeah, it's horrible. But this uh, is But like it's like okay
0: it's... because he stares at her picture before he dies. Yeah, so it's Which fine. again is is how me-centric the film is in terms of Lester. It's like yeah. Lester's redemption doesn't involve making up with his daughter, it's just that's... him staring at her picture, <laughs> yeah, realizing yeah, that's yeah, at yeah. the point where a lot of people are stroking their guns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's that kind of who shot Mr. Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and actually, like, again, I think that's something Mendez does really well as he plays up the Who shot Mr. Burns aspect yeah. of it. And I think that Mendez, to his credit, like, he plays up the pulpy silliness of the film as much as he can mm-hmm. while dealing with the screenplay that he has. Yeah. So, like, I don't mind certain cartoonish aspects of it because it feels like if this movie were played entirely straight, it would be even more yeah. insufferable. I, the-
1: I do I do agree to an extent, but I also felt like it just kept switching yeah, gears totally. for me too much. Yeah. Um. But I just also playing devil's advocate. I think that Sam Mendes would have would if he were here in the room and Alan Ball. Like I think that they would probably say, well, yeah, like it's cartoonish because it's quite a heightened reality. So you shouldn't be taking Lester Burnham so seriously and picking him apart so much because this is a parable about a man who, at the end, gets his justice desserts. So why are we so angry? Is yeah. that what they would say? Maybe.
0: I mean, I I don't even think that he gets his just desserts. Like the he movie, does pla- die. he does he does <laughs> he die, but the killed. but the movie like plays this as a moment of spiritual enlightenment. Yeah, it's no, like he true. finally gets nirvana. It's like I finally saw all of it, all of it. Yeah. It's like everything, that, did I, it. every, I was everything yeah. that I did in this movie <laughs> sure. that got me to this point was worth it. Not because I'm leaving my daughter behind, tragically scarred. Not because my wife may be implicated in my murder. Not because my my, my weed dealer may go to prison for this. <laughs> but because I, Lester Burnham, who rule, achieve spiritual enlightenment. Yeah. Oneness
1: with the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a, we all go through this kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what it yeah. asks of us. And I... Rewatching it was not able to give that at all.
0: Well, that's it. And again, I think that's why it was more, at least to me. Like I, I think, in, and again, I, I don't want to. I don't know my state in nineteen ninety nine entirely, but I think it was because it was. It seemed more outlandish in 99. Like, again, all this stuff seemed wacky and cartoonish. And again, you mentioned heightened reality. Mm. It seemed a world away from the world in which we lived in 99. Whereas in 2009, like, you're looking at people like Lester Burnham and you're like, now that dude would be on Reddit. You
1: know that guy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Probably, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, in 1999 if Lester Burnham existed, he was inside you and hidden away. Mm. And it's like, let him out. And it's like, well, if you let him out, it'd be like, that's a fantasy. It's never going to happen. It wouldn't, you know, so it's okay to, it's like watching Godzilla stomp over a city. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't actually happen. So I can enjoy the vicarious thrill of it. Whereas in 2019, I wonder if part of it is, and maybe for me, is like, actually, you know, I I see things from people like Lester Burnham on the internet quite regularly yeah, and i hear accounts point. of people like lester burnham quite regularly and yeah. you hear stories and people are, are more open talking about it as well like you have people accounting for their stories in relationships with people like lester burnham for yeah. example and women talking about what it's like to be involved with people like that as well yeah. and you have this kind of like broader swelling of kind of empathy for people who are not the lester burnham's of their story that in 2019 approaching it it, it feels less like a well, I'm good. I let that out for two hours, kind of fantasy, and more like, is this? Yeah, more like <laughs> yeah. this is like inside the head of a, you know, some guy who probably ended up shooting a yeah, shooting up an off. I don't know. That's just, maybe too far. No, do you know what he is? Hard, he's
1: just like a totally, purely, one hundred percent selfish man, and I can't empathize with that. And I think you're right. Like in 1999, it felt a bit more of a of a heightened reality. So it's kind of more forgivable or like you know you, you're more yeah. on you're able to roll along with things yeah. but now you you're not spago, having people publishing
0: cause... manifestos about how yeah, exactly. women are depriving them of sex and therefore they're justified in doing whatever it de- yeah. and
1: maybe again and maybe, maybe you're um, just we're, grown up now well, I'm know. wary of reading <laughs> t- I'm,
0: again I'm wary of reading too much into it and imposing too much on it and maybe mm. being too sensitive on it but for me
1: there's, there's
2: almost kind of a, um, a, a virtue in a certain amount of selfishness yeah but, yeah. but he's just entirely kind of ruled by it yeah, and then like he only, uh, the only kind of pauses that he has, um, seem to be sort of when um everyone kind of storms out on him because of what a horrible person he's been, and yeah. he's like, oh, why don't why, why don't these people I shouted at like me? Yeah, I <laughs> I better make up with them. when I, yeah. when
1: I rule, why? Yeah. I <laughs> um, um, they're not r- getting in my car.
2: Ricky's hard as well. Like, like they yeah. they kind of um. To demonstrate, like what a kind of a supportive boyfriend uh, he is, he he he's just like telling Angela how she's um, normal ordinary and and
0: well, you know it, yeah, and you're and, normal, yeah. and there's nothing interesting oh, yeah, about it's it. Just, it's really horrible. It's just her.
2: kind of like yeah. you're you're worthless, like mm-hmm. yeah, just go kill yourself, like pretty they're, they're, much,
0: they're, yeah, and, yeah. And, and
1: like thing and is though, and, like which actually drives her straight into the, arms the situation, of the of Lester, man. yeah, and
0: well, that's that's the thing with. Ricky is that Ricky feels very much like, and again, part of me wonders that the movie's sort of romanticism of Ricky to a certain extent, because again, he's the model for um you know you just became my personal hero yeah. Lester says at one point yeah. and again there's this sense of selfishness because yeah. like he's quitting a job and you're meant to be like well he didn't need the job anyway and he doesn't need anybody yeah. telling him what to do so go you ricky but That's in, in reality like if you work that job you're like well there's one person less doing cleaning and lifting yeah. that means everybody, everybody else who's is working doing is doing more and probably getting paid the same amount for it yeah um like if you want to quit quit before you do it yeah um that sort of thing and again the same thing with lester where it's like if you want to be an immature man child Maybe before having a child, or maybe after you get divorced. Not while you're in a position. Yeah. Don't you're... Do it,
2: but don't make such a like. I don't know.
3: Don't be so dramatic. Yeah. Or make yourself <laughs> or, uh, the like, hero of it. Yeah. 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 But and that's then, the like, thing,
2: and his creepiness as well. Yeah. Right? A a, 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 around kind of like Angela. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he wanted to be with Angela, and she was into him, and then decides, oh but but uh, it really lingers on the like it it would be wrong anyway because it, 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 the, 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 the positions the way between kind of them. like set up is, kind yeah. of, is 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 quite predatory
0: yeah i mean he but, gets her phone number and he rings her up and yeah stuff.
2: but there's <laughs> yeah. all this, this stuff and the way he's just kind of like gawking at her and with
0: her, yeah. it peering like through the open. door yeah, and like yeah. listening to her in the room and working out because she likes men with sort of yeah. you know yeah. yeah he's very clean. do you like men with strong arms or men who work out, I think, is the yeah, word. Muscles? like men who yeah, work muscles, out. men with muscles.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's all just—it's all just really rotten. I just think I Are don't you know. It's—it's. It's, I don't know if it comes with age, and that I'm just older now, and I know more about life. But I just found him so
2: awful it just colours everything is it like him even offering her a sip of beer oh it yeah seems
3: I that kind of
2: um, liquor like, her up to a certain extent well no but I don't no, think that was the no, intention no not of really the scene. but because 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 of like everything we've kind of seen it doesn't feel like kind of um, good natured and it is
0: it is in in the scene it's like hey have, have a because sip of beer because he
1: thinks he's
0: a teenager like yeah. you said yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of other stuff do you want to talk about the plastic bag scene Because this is one of the the parts of the film that has become kind of most derided. Like there's a number of arguments about what prompted the backlash to it. It's phenomenal success at the Oscars, changing times. uh, But one of the things that is most frequently cited is the plastic bag sequence.
1: I feel sorry for the plastic bag sequence, to be honest. I think that is just one of those things that has become such... A point of reference for pop culture that it probably i could i last night when i was watching it i kept going like when the plastic bag scenes come comes on i'm just gonna try to wipe my mind of anything and just judge it as it is and i it just i've just seen it too many times yeah it means nothing to me it just means nothing and i felt kind of sorry for it because i think at the time it probably was kind of nice
0: well i hadn't again hadn't seen anything quite like that in a movie like yeah. this before it's a nice little yeah. moment i think yeah.
1: I can't tell. It's just, and how much it's just, of it's inseparable from... It's very from, hard.
0: Um, Oh, and, and also because I know you're a fan of Euphoria, actually. And again, mm. I haven't watched Euphoria. I've been kind of... How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I read an interesting article, actually, um, on Fatherly. And they made the argument that Euphoria's first season is a cultural reckoning with American beauty. In particular, they cite the relationship between Nate's father, Cal, and a trans team named Jules.
1: I think it's a, not to get sidetracked with Euphoria, but Euphoria is very, very aware of other pop culture yeah. and it's something that I enjoy and I would say the same for Riverdale. It's written by grown-ups who have watched an awful lot of pop culture content.
0: skeet onwards, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah, well, like, like Riverdale's just <laughs> yeah. cast with, like, all the grown-ups for people like, like me to go, oh my god, yeah. like, yeah. Um, and Euphoria is quite like that too. It references a lot of stuff that teenagers won't get, that people like me will get, But, like, there's enough in it that teenagers will enjoy it. But it is definitely... And American Beauty is stamped all over it. Like, definitely. Well, I mean, in terms
0: of, like, again, I haven't I've watched promos for it because I've been kind of interested in it and yeah. I've heard it's visually fascinating and stuff like that in terms Incredible. of like the yeah. way that it tells its visual storytelling mm. is absolutely stunning in fact a lot of the early criticism of it was that it was too visual it was too tied up in its visuals
1: like it's very it is extremely over the top and it's extremely over the top in the content that it shows and ha- what it looks like which I think that actually those two things yeah. happening at the same time yeah. is what makes it work um, if it was more realistic I a- think that it would feel exploitative thing, or yeah. something now I personally didn't find it exploitative a lot of people do But it is that it's it it is American Beauty if it was made by people who kind of uh, are raised from like sorry this current moment in time when we we rethink how we look at sexuality and young people and um, the effects the things like psychological effects of things on people and trauma we look at that very differently now and it's made by people who are very conscious of that and the young people in it they do terrible things but it is about like percussion and like how you deal with things and why you're doing things so it's a little
0: bit more complex than something like american beauty which is just like men should have everything <laughs> <laughs> um and very quickly before we kind of wrap up anything on um the visual style of this because i remember being very taken with it visually and being very sort of like and again i kind of i was rewatching it i was kind of i don't know if i was impressed because so much of it it's kind of filtered through that quirky indie sundance type yeah. film in the years I mean, since
2: uh, the, the the um there is, there is, there, there. Um, there is something, um, uh, memorable with the the the, the scenes with uh, with Mina Suvari. I think each of them, they're yeah, kind, kind of like different, different um, scenes. So,
0: like, obviously the cheerleading dance, um, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. choreographed by Abdul, but the sequence where he's fantasizing her in the bath and then she's on the ceiling and stuff like that, mm. um, that sort of thing, is it? Yeah, and, and when even when he pulls the rose petal from his lips and stuff as well, yeah, and again but like it's
2: it's it's um it's certainly kind of like creating an impression and it has been like being a very kind of it's it's probably like along with the plastic bag i guess the most memorable kind of the rose petals are
0: falling from the ceiling and stuff and again i really i actually really like that aspect of and i like that mendez is like he's a theater director coming to film you would assume that most of his stuff would be shoot actors on sets talking to one another, do like simple cross-cutting and kind of like, you know, sort of one, two setup or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm actually coming to film. I'm going to do something very filmy and very cinematic. Now he had a reputation when he was in theater for doing stuff like experimental work. So I think it was cabaret where he actually, the audience would sit in the set and the set would gradually deteriorate over the course of the night's performance Mm -hmm. as a commentary on, on that sort of thing. Um, But even like his, his kind of his setups and his stagings of theater work were seen as being very immersive. And being very experimental. But I mean, it is a very visual film. And again, you're you're right that it's, as much as the plastic bag, it's the visuals that kind yeah. of linger. Um.
1: I think the stuff that I, that all the stuff you've just mentioned, I think are really, really interesting and really cool. And some other sequences that look really well. But overall, I kind of, I was a bit disappointed with how it felt, how okay. it looked. I felt like um, my version of it in my head was much more polished and... Uh, just that a little bit more of a cinematic quality to mm-hmm. it it felt a little bit TV to me while I was rewatching it in a way that I wasn't expecting it to was
0: well, it because arguably so much of television has been inspired by I mean and you po- say like, like Pessler Housewives yeah. and, and things like obviously so much, Six yeah. Feet Under and stuff yeah um, and it could
1: it could absolutely be my own thing that I'm bringing to it but I was just a bit disappointed that it didn't feel as cinematic, cinematic as I remember. wanted it to, but like there are definitely sequences and moments, and and similar, like I, I should say about the story and the script and everything, there are moments in this film that I thought were really good that worked really really well, but just sort of overall, I just was a bit disappointed.
0: Um, and
2: Kane. Uh, kind of reminded me of a of a David Lynch character, the, felt, the someone uh, out of Twin felt, Peaks. Yeah, no, he felt uh, like he could be one of with those, the eyebrows uh, and the. Uh, That's
0: yeah. an
1: interesting point. Yeah, he really well, no, does. He, yeah. he does
0: feel very cartoonish as well. Yeah. And I mean, even even let's say the sex scene between them in the motel. But even things like and again, there's lots of little touches like the sequence in Brad's office where the first time it's shot, it's shot with Lester kind of you know on, with a wide lens, mm. so Lester seems really small. He's almost swallowed by the chair that he's sitting in, yeah. which gives you this kind of impression of kind of a guy being crushed you know yeah um and even like even the way in which these things are shot up and hyper stylized yeah or even like the way in which i think ed edward hooper paintings were or hopper paintings were a huge influence mm-hmm. on say the design of the household the interior design of the household so everything seems vaguely cartoonish and off yeah. the only mm-hmm. issue is that that doesn't work with the kind of like content of the film to a certain extent
1: yeah and- well, and,
0: uh, it, I mean, it just
2: occurred to me that um there um they they're going to have to
0: uh sack somebody else now <laughs> as a result of Lester's blackmail they are probably gonna, yeah. yeah they're going to have to sack two people cuz they, yeah. yeah. oh.
2: they need to yeah they need to pay off lester and they also
0: need to
1: lester kind of, doesn't care
2: yeah, rule. Car. I love I love that
0: when he's asked <laughs> to like write a description of the job that he does, which is like fairly standard, like you should be able to produce that in like an hour if mm-hmm. even. But it's like I think it's weird and kind of fascist.
3: <laughs> it's like, dude,
0: you're a writer. This is easier for you than it is anybody else yeah, in just your company. Sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Christina Hendrick's hand, by the way. Which is very oh, good yeah. that we recorded it's it around very this very time. Because this only came out the other day. The hand on the poster it's Christina Hendricks' hand from when she was a hand model. Like, that's actually a thing that exists, like not what a Zoolander. Hand, what hand? Um, so you know the one poster? holding the rose? Holding the rose in front of the belly on the poster for American people. Oh. That's Christina Hendricks' hand. It's not her belly. It's another model's belly. She said it was a very weird experience shooting that. Uh, but apparently, yeah, it's, uh, it's literally like Zoolander. The hand, uh, the hand jockeys are wired very different much, than you yeah. face and body boys. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, I really like that. I thought that was very cute. That, again, that just came out recently, which is yeah, really, really I, good. I actually
1: just saw it the other day. Um, what I was gonna say or ask, or I wanted to get your opinions on. I'm not sure what the internet thinks about this, but just how the homosexuality angle is covered is that awful now. I'm not sure. I think it's interesting, and I think the scene is handled. The scene where Chris Cooper's character comes in and kisses him. Comes in and, and kisses him. I actually think it's a really nicely handled I, I, scene.
2: I felt like they dealt with that throughout quite well.
0: Yeah, I think it, it's particularly those, in the context of '99,
3: it's,
2: it's yeah. a weird thing where watching the movie knowing that Chris Cooper's character is gay, um, like, brings
0: more to the performance yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, the drama yeah, yeah, like the sequence yeah. in the car right. when he's when he's talking with his son and he's like don't placate me boy yeah. and then you know ricky repeats back this sort of like by rote, Maybe, sort of like yeah, really hate, hateful cruel, that, yeah says. a really hateful thing and he, because ricky thinks that well, that's what his father wants to hear and yeah. his father, who's in the car, has just heard this repeated back, and he's that's obviously suffering. Yeah, that's it. He's yeah. suffering with his own kind of internalized homophobia mm-hmm. and like his own inability to accept who he is. And he's just had his son repeat that back to him. Yeah. And it's just he kind of pauses and he looks at. Th- it's a really great, really moving very at a moment. Great. Very affecting. He's but I would
2: be really interested to see what people thought. Yeah, I don't mean, quite know
1: good. whether I'm right in these things, but um, but that was one of the things I was quite dreading actually when I was going to rewatch it. I was like, oh god, this is all going to play really badly. Um, but I was quite pleasantly surprised by how they handled that. And I thought that the two, I, that actually, that scene with him and Kevin Spacey in the garage is probably my favourite sequence. I think it was the best acted sequence in the yeah. film.
0: It's surprisingly tender and it's human. It's
1: really tender. It's really, really nice. And it nearly made me cry.
0: Um, and it's it's worth noting as well that I think one of the things the film does to show how Lester is a righteous dude. Is that he's actually really cool with the gyms? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah he is. He he's like, he's like, gyms. he hates Lester. Hates everybody, everybody. But it's like, and the gyms are there. Yeah. I have no strong opinions about them, and I'm <laughs> happily gonna go run with them. Yeah. Um, and it's like you can tell, like the movie's position again. This is very similar to the moment where it's like this is a righteous dude because he totally doesn't have sex with his daughter's best friend. It's like, he's cool with gay people. I mean, how bad a person could he be? Exactly. He's a great guy.
1: He rules.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I I think, again, I I read some commentary online about this and there is some skepticism about the whole internalized homophobia or homophobes are really kind of gay thing and a a suggestion that's a very cartoonish way of doing it. But the whole movie is cartoonish. I mean, it does
1: feel, it feels quite like, Old-fashioned or something trite, like yes, yeah, like, um, well, again, But again, it's in terms old of storytelling. Okay, so like twenty like it, years old, it is old. Yeah. It's fine. Like it's okay to be yeah. Like I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah, not everything is going to be perfect and stuff like that. I think the the movie's problems with gender are probably more severe than its problems with <laughs> okay. yeah, you know. Like I mean, I feel again, Lester is a misogynist, but he's not a homophobe. Um, yeah, and I fair mean,
1: play. Yeah,
0: <laughs> progress. Nobody's perfect. No. Um, nobody is perfect at all. Yeah, Um, but uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything that we haven't discussed already in the context of American Beauty?
1: One thing, just going back to something that you said earlier, is that Uh how well it performed outside of America. Yes. um, Which I've just been kind of thinking about while we were talking here. I just think it's interesting because I remember, like, satire on America feeling to me like something really like, yeah, because America's a weird place, you know. And like, when you look at, What we say about America now Versus what we were saying About America in 1999 This is I suppose How you get euphoria Instead of American beauty Um, But America is such a Different place now Than it was And our I mean from our perspective Outsiders point of view Something like American beauty Doesn't seem remotely harsh It seems like a bit of a Like dream (laughs) Rather than a nightmare Yeah and if you were to kind of make the American beauty of today, and I'm sure there's films that we could say are it, but I can't think of any. Um, They'd be, a lot, be, be a lot more scathing a lot more de- Also, and actually...
0: Well, I mean, it was if Todd Sloan made Happiness around the same time and he described yeah, American beauty more. as a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, um, like, <laughs> but relative-
1: going back to your, um, your point about religion, there's no religion in this film. And I find that interesting because I think... America and religion are are at war with each other right now and it's a really interesting moment and there's no reference to it at all. That family would be extremely, like, going to church, I'm sure, in a a different version of that because politics and religion seem to be a bit more intertwined in a way that they didn't used to be.
0: Well, I mean, again, I think that's interesting. I think that kind of ties back to the idea of, like, Lester's attitude towards you know women and you know implied attitude towards like Carolyn working and Mm. stuff like that and Mm. his sort of like anxiety about her being successful is completely divorced from his attitude towards the gyms for example like there's no sense of like we talked in the podcast before about one of the anxieties and it's not an American anxiety it's a global anxiety in Mm. masculinity or in like is is this idea of like losing something relative to the gains of other groups and stuff like that or watching watching like other groups kind of move forward and getting a sense that that means you're losing something by comparison and there's no larger social context here for like Lester's anxieties. It's, it's not like he's resentful because, and again, this is it being a 1999 movie to an extent. Yeah. And you have that even with the scene with, uh, Carolyn and, uh, Janie, where they're show- where like Carolyn comes upstairs and she wants to cry about what happened at mm. dinner, which is a reasonable response. Yeah. Um, but she's like, you have like, Janie's like, you don't get to do that. You can and never count on anyone. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. But But yourself. But yourself. And like, Janie's like, you don't get to do that. You don't get to unload to me. And Carolyn just slaps her and it's like, you have no idea what you have. You have everything. We grew up in a duplex. We didn't even own our own house. And again, there's this weird sense of like, Lester being allowed to be indulgent by the film because everything else is pretty much perfect. Mm. It's like, and again, like Lester takes that low paying job because he doesn't have to worry about money because he blackmails his boss. Yeah. But it's like, there's never a sense of like any jeopardy. He has everything he wants. He can buy the Pontiac Firebird yeah. because he's got settlement money or whatever. You know, he does, he can work a menial job because he doesn't have to worry about paying insurance. There's no discussion of what the, the mortgage is on that luxurious house they have. Mm. There are no pressures on them except Lester's existential anxiety. There's nothing outside of that. There's no Lester's context. Perspective. Yeah,
1: there's no context. immediately Carolyn is like, I'm the sole breadwinner now. What the? I f- rule. And he'd never thought about that once. And
0: the He's film like, doesn't think about that either. No,
1: exactly. <laughs> We're not supposed to think about it. We're like, oh, shut up. He got his car, Caroline. Or Caroline, stop you're being
0: such a, such a killjoy yeah. <laughs> and like go into the car and have sex with him. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: we don't need we don't need the money to pay for Jane's college. She's, she's going to go to New York and, yeah. so and live with a drug dealer. Do- <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. fine. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's okay Probably because like, we're a liberal, uh, yeah. we're a very not liberal all, family. Not all of them are drug dealers. Some of them are pimps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, the, whole, to, the whole underworld.
0: It's just sort of interconnected. And just in terms of international growth, it's worth ma- noting that it made 130 million in the States, but 226 million internationally. Wow. So 63% of its income from abroad. And that's before things like China would have been a huge force as well. Yeah. So this is amazing. In ter- the ninth biggest movie of the year at the worldwide box office. What was the biggest
1: um, movie of that year
0: at the worldwide box office was probably uh the phantom menace six Sense was second oh, Phantom menace oh yeah. yeah um which is amazing like six cents was second six Sense was second internationally and it was also second nationally as well um, yeah so it, it's uh that's an american beauty was only 13th highest grossing in america itself so it actually sold better outside america than interesting it did. and it's interesting because i think it is like a cartoon version of america and mm. it's interesting because that episode of the Simpsons I mentioned uh, or that episode of the Simpsons oh, yeah. that we'll be talking about next week um, actually ironically enough I remember watching that in America because I was over in America and that was my first trip there mm-hmm. I remember it being very weird it was like visiting Disneyland except I wasn't in Disneyland except yeah. I did also go to Disneyland um, but You're it getting was getting those two things mixed up in your head yeah <laughs> but it, it kind of it was it was a heightened place yeah you know? and I remember like American Beauty felt a little bit like it captured that heightened kind of quality mm. to it uh, but in terms of that is there anything else you want to discuss anything else that we haven't brought up in terms of American Beauty
1: I think I'm good
2: yeah no I think I'm fine I was thinking about how um, your man was saying how the um, denial is such a powerful thing and it, his kid has a beeper and he's not a doctor <laughs> 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 but it was the 90s Andrew yeah, we have to excuse these exactly things everybody you know, had a beeper gets beeped. Mulder,
0: Mulder and Scully had beepers <laughs> pages in the middle of the night. And I get like this weird thing where money doesn't matter in the world of the film. It's so, like Ricky is super loaded yeah. as a result of his drug dealing. But he's also able to accept payment in kind. Yes. It's so, like because there's, there's no economy man. No. Everybody's making so much money well, it doesn't matter. So how
1: much, matter. Did, he char- how much <laughs> did he charge him for his bag of weed? Yeah
0: two grand. Two grand? Two grand. I was like yeah. what? <laughs> Inflation since 1973. Well, but like Lester
3: just pushes well, that off. Movies it's like he's are, so cool. Movies
2: are made for Millions and millions of dollars for people for, by people who have millions no. and millions <laughs> so of like, dollars. I'm not
1: spending two grand on a bag of weed. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. These these Hollywood producers, they'd spend two grand on a bag yeah. of weed.
0: It's like that's that's where, if you're paying under a, gra- a, a buck fifty, it's like not really worth it. Um, worth noting, there was actually some minor backlash at the time. Um, there was some Seems very. like branded weed. <laughs> like with a little imprint on it. Every little, every little sort of grain. Yeah, <laughs> I see dead people. This is some good stuff. Yeah. It's like Gucci Um. (laughs) weed. But it is worth noting that like one of the few voices that was raised against it was the reviewer in the Orlando Sentinel, who was uh, Jay Boyer. And I'm only mentioning this because it has a killer last line, which seems, which has aged arguably better than the film itself. In addition to being rather obvious, the film is also so smug. That Donald Trump, on his worst day, would seem positively humble by comparison. This was written in September 1999. Whoa. It's like, yeah. Actually, I don't think we've used the word smug enough in this discussion. (laughs) That film is
1: extremely... I rule. It really is. No, that is... That is... that is
0: Yeah. Um, the perfect point, <laughs> <laughs> and and Thora Birch as well, actually. Just um,
1: oh yeah, she's
0: great. She is great. She did a lot of really great work around this time as it's well. the year
1: before Ghost World, right? Which yes, is like my favorite film, and of with Scott
0: Johansson as well. And and sort of like again, you have this interesting thing where Birch is in movies with female, sorry, with other kind of young female actors, mm. and they go on to stuff, and she doesn't. She's had a very sort of troubled uh, kind of career. Yeah. Um. Do you know that her parents uh, were both pornographic actors, yeah, and they met in on deep
1: throat. they met on the set of Deep Throat. <laughs> I was just listening to her on a podcast recently and I can't remember what the podcast was um, but she's a really interesting person I'm just waiting for them to cast her as a parent on Riverdale yeah. which I hope they will do <laughs> so
0: uh, you, you heard it here first
2: <laughs> that remind, uh, when you when you mentioned Deep throat, remind reminded me of one of the credits in the movie that I wrote down it was the the transportation captain is uh, Randy Lovelady.
1: Randy Love? Lug- what Randy a great Lovelady. name yeah. wow is that like some Alan Smithy thing where they I got wonder, fired or something and they're like just put me down was. as Randy yeah. Lovelady Randy
0: Lovelady
1: yeah <laughs> they should have Sa- called Lester Sa- Burnham Randy
0: Sa- Lovelady Sa- hey Sam Mendes how about I tell everybody you let me keep my job <laughs> <laughs> sorry apologies we should be clear we are not defaming Mr. Lovelady no we're no. not we're not
1: or Mrs. because Randy is, oh good point com- it, yeah it could be Mrs. Lovelady <laughs> <Miss>. May- <laughs>
0: Making this up but anyway, um, so yeah, so I think that about wraps it up. Normally at the end, here's up- the transportation captains, <laughs> the, the
2: the real backbone of of, of, of movie active. production. Yeah. Um. yeah.
0: But yeah, um, and again, this this movie went on to financial... a uh, kind of wonderful kind of Oscar success as well. Um, oh, Thomas Newman's score as well is fan- is phenomenal. Oh, I don't yeah, think we have really about good. that enough. Like Dead Already, which is the kind of the yeah, soundtrack. It's and fantastic. I've, Andrew's been complaining a little bit about us using like the summer of 69 as our ironic opening to our summer of 99 season. We may have used uh, Dead Already as the intro to this one just because it's so it's iconic. A and
1: it's a couple fun. of good covers as well. Like there's a cover of The Cause by the Beatles, and then there's yes. the Don't Let It Bring You Down by Annie Lennox they're yeah. like they're really good yeah. it's a good soundtrack I'll give it that yeah. and actually very effective as well like yeah. in, it's not just music you'd like to listen to it works really well the it
0: makes sense as well and in terms of Lester's sort of arrested development as well yeah um, which is great it means we ended on a compliment sandwich yes um, <laughs> actually what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask uh our guests to name something that they might recommend for listeners. They might think listeners might enjoy. What date is it today? Uh, today is September twenty
1: eighth. Oh, perfect! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic! There is a film coming out in cinemas this week called Ready or Not, <sighs> which is really good fun.
0: So excited! Oh, it's, have you seen it? I am. I'm seeing it tomorrow. Uh, it's good. I'm really looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, I like it's, it. Yeah, Emily McDowell. Oh, and her journey. Like, I want, I want
1: you to like, just like. Don't be too excited about okay. it, right? Because okay. it, it's, it isn't, like, mind-blowing. Like, but, this uh, is taking pulpy films fun. into... Yeah. yeah, it is just pulpy fun. And Adam Brody's in it, who I love. And I, I must think I'm completely obsessed with teenager things. But, like, uh, it's just so much fun. And it's like, go see this in the cinema. Bring all your friends. It's good crack. Get a beer. Loads of popcorn. It is so fun.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to mention what the premise of it is, do we? Or do we do It's Betsy Blind
1: I mean it's it's pretty obvious yeah, she's the a, movie she's sold a, she's itself got a like wedding dress on in the poster so basically a girl who marries into a rich family and they're like well we who like to play who are not Hasbro to be absolutely <laughs> clear for legal
0: purposes are not Hasbro but she marries into this family of game manufacturers yeah.
1: and they um, and they're like yeah we like to play this game on the the wedding night before you go off to bed and uh, just a the, friendly the game yeah. is great fun and it's uh,
0: yeah hide hide and seek Yes, exactly. So yeah, play
1: hide and seek, and I won't tell you any and more things than that. Things escalate from there. Uh, it's a horror comedy, like it is very much like a uh, horrible horror. There's plenty of gore in it, but um, darkly comic. I'm hearing as well. It's quite like it's it's funny like some of the stuff like particularly towards the end is funny but it's it's also a bit traumatic
0: but like she's really cool I've heard it might it's go well as a companion weeby. piece to this as well in terms of its attitude towards marriage sorry which I heard it might work well as a companion piece to this American Beauty yeah. Yeah, yeah in terms it of its attitude towards marriage perfectly yeah <laughs> they're really the same the, film the men,
1: the men are arguably better in this film <laughs> actually they're no, not they're I f-
0: rule horrible they're a total I f- rule d- <laughs> uh, they don't rule in fact they do not rule um, and Andrew what about yourself do you recommend something for people
2: um, I was struggling to kind of think something um, uh, brick brick um, oh, oh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt film yes, yeah, I love yeah, 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 Rian yeah, Johnson. Because I, w- I was thinking about the 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 Nights kind of, Out will be coming out part soon of as well. This movie is sort
0: of like high school. Mm. Yeah, um, and stylized and sort of cartoonish and sort of like exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, no, and I really enjoy it. Joseph
1: that. Gordon-Levitt has a new podcast, and his first guest was Rian Johnson. Oh, really? Oh. And they're ta- yeah, it's a re- it's actually a really good listen. They talk about Break a Bit, which I is think that is such came a up as
2: film. a suggestion actually. Yeah, let's uh, have a look at that. Perfect.
0: I would recommend Succession, another story about it. American Many of fa- Succession. Really, I it's, it's really I know, it's on even on my worthy as well. Maybe
1: I'll watch it in Toronto. Um,
0: which I, to <laughs> I love that. I'm which going, I'm going to the dro- back from. <laughs> I'm going to the Toronto Film Festival. I'll probably watch a TV show there. i you um, have
1: to have something when you come home. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, no, it's Succession again. If we're talking thematically, it's a story about an American family with a patriarch who is really, really really awful um, and it's kind of got this like darkly comic vibe to it and I think it, mm-hmm. it's, it's really really well constructed and I would wholeheartedly uh, recommend that um, so if people want a bit more Charlene those, they can find you online at at Charlene Lydon And uh,
2: A-Q-U-I-N-N-I-U-Q-A.
0: You can follow me at Darren underscore Mooney. And listeners, we have quite a treat for you. Next week, in order to make up for the trauma that we've inflicted on Charlene by making her rewatch American Beauty, we've invited her back as our resident Edward Norton expert to talk about one of the biggest and perhaps most loaded movies of 1999. She'll be joining us with the wonderful Alex Towers to talk about David Fincher's Fight Club. Can't wait. We're gonna break the first rule, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.